I tell you, I can't take it no more. I tell you, I'm all right now, but last week I was a rough shape. Why, I don't get a break with nothing. I played hide-and-seek when I was three. Why, they wouldn't even look for me. I was an ugly kid. I never had fun. No respect. No respect. Well, they took me to a dog show and I won. No respect. No respect. When I was born, I brought no joy. No respect. No respect. My old man said he wanted a boy. No respect. No respect. I was an ugly kid, always alone. No respect. No respect. For Halloween, I had a trick or treat over the phone. No respect. No respect. My friends don't call. My phone don't ring. I don't get a break with anything. What's the matter, Ronnie? Oh, Dad, where is I sting? It's just Rappin' Rodney. Ain't wrapped tight, no, no. Rappin' Rodney. Get out of sight, it's just Rappin' Rodney. Make no mistake for old Rappin' Rodney. Can't get a break. I'm getting old, it's hard to pace. No on during sex, I lose my place. No respect, no respect. On steak and sex, my favorite pair. No respect, no respect. I have them both the same way, very rare. No respect, no respect. I know I'm old, I could go any minute. No respect, no respect. I got a kidney-shaped pool with a stone in it. No respect, no respect. Hey, Dr. Vinnie Boombox, that's another one. No respect, no respect. I said I want to stop aging, he gave me a gun. No respect, no respect. I told him I got water on a knee. He gave me a sponge and raised his fee. It's not easy being me. goes right, I just can't fight it. No respect, no respect. My Eastern Airlines thank me for flying United. No respect, no respect. I got some money, what did I do? No respect, no respect. I bought some quicksand, the deal fell through. No respect, no respect. My car broke down, I called no respect. AAA. They left the car and towed me away. I can't take it no more. I'm getting too old. I called suicide prevention. They put me on hold. Oh, winter, summer, spring, and fall. I'm always up against the wall. What's the matter, Oh, I don't have no respect at all. Who's that guy with my daughter? Where's my wallet? How do I get out of here? 
I don't get no respect at all. As I sometimes feel on uh, poker Twitter. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dandruff with Telus. This is being brought to you live and direct from a secret location, a very, very secret location. It is June 24th, 2023, the time, 9.11 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. You may say, oh, it's not that secret. You're at the Horseshoe. You're at Paris. False. I'm not at the Horseshoe. I'm not at Paris. And a lot of times when I do this, people attempt to seek me out and call me in whatever hotel room they think I'm staying in. But you're welcome to try to do that because you will not find me this time. Because I am in such a secret location that I'm just not locatable at all. I promise you that. You can try as hard as you want. You will not be able to find me. In fact, almost nobody knows where I am aside from very few people I told. So that's where I'm broadcasting this show from. Hopefully the internet works well enough here to broadcast the show okay. If it doesn't, it may cut out or something and I'll restart it. Just warning you about that. But it is a very secret location but I will confirm I am somewhere in the Las Vegas area. So I'm not too far from the World Series. I'm just not there at the moment. However, I was just there. I did just cash in an event. We're going to talk about that. A lot of stuff to talk about. It's been a while since we were on. Last show was on June 5th, I believe. And I had a lot of things to do. I mentioned that I would be missing time during the World Series. I also was sick. I got sick, it turned out, just at the end of my first trip to Las Vegas, and it was a very long-lasting cold. I'll talk about that because this is something that has been plaguing a number of people at the World Series of Poker, much more than COVID this year. But I'm healthy now. I can do the show now. We're going to cover everything I missed during this time. I know some of you have been waiting a long time to hear this show, so... Here it is for you. I'll try to get this in the archives as soon as I can, but you know how it goes during World Series time. I have limited time, so if you want to hear everything as current as possible, it is best to listen live. The opening that I played here, Rappin' Rodney, that was from an album that Rodney Dangerfield actually put out, and this is actually before rap music became popular, like right before. But this was specifically from a TV special that was some sort of comedy special featuring mainly Rodney Dangerfield, but also had Andy Kaufman on it, of all people, and uh, Robert Urich, who you especially wouldn't expect to be in a comedy special, but he was. <laughs> and I didn't see it at the time, which kind of surprises me, because I watched a lot of TV back then. This aired in 1983. I was watching a ton of TV in 1983 as an 11-year-old, but somehow that one got by me. My mom saw Rodney Dangerfield perform way before he was famous way way before this was in the 60s and he was just a failed comedian and he was working in the Catskill Mountains which you might recognize if you're not from the area you might recognize the Catskill Mountains name from the setting of the movie Dirty Dancing in fact Dirty Dancing while it was an 80s movie it took place in the early 60s where families from the east coast would take their kids up to the Catskills for a vacation. And uh, my mom used to go with her family, not in the 60s so much, but more in the 50s. And then the 40s, they would go go up to the Catskills Mountains for the, exactly those type of vacations. So 
that is where Rodney Dangerfield was performing, among other places, before he became famous. And at the time, my mom was not impressed. She actually thought he was not going to succeed. But then, lo and behold, there was Rodney Dangerfield all over the place, especially uh, in the 80s and beyond. I always thought he was funny. I like that little song in the... You can find it on YouTube. It's pretty funny, like, stage montage they did there. This show was announced in advance, and therefore there's going to be a free roll tonight. So the free roll is at 9.30 Pacific Daylight Time, which means you still have 17 minutes to get in before it even starts. 9.30 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. And we have a special tournament tonight. It's it's $50, which is the minimum we give away. So that by itself is not special. It's from Eric Benzamokin, so I appreciate that from him. But the special thing tonight is it's not a no-limit hold'em tournament. It is a limit hold'em tournament. Yes, limit hold'em, because this is in honor of the Limit Hold'em 6 Max event, which is going to be running tomorrow at the World Series of Poker. So we're going to have a Limit Hold'em Radio Donkament as well. If you've never played Limit Hold'em before, the good news is if you've played No Limit Hold'em, you understand how to play. It's just the betting is fixed. So every street, your option is bet, check, raise, or fold, just like with No Limit Hold'em, except the amounts you can bet are already predetermined. Very different strategy in Limit Hold'em versus No Limit Hold'em. Some people think, oh, if I'm a competent No Limit Hold'em player, I should be a great Limit Hold'em player. Limit should be easier. Nope, it's just a different game. So if you have not played Limit Hold'em before, then you will be crushed by those who are good at it. When I play Limit Hold'em, I'm thrilled to have No Limit Hold'em players in my game. But this free roll, you can play, of course, without risking any money. So you can play Limit Hold'em, and you only have an upside. You can only win money 25 for first, 15 for second, 10 for third. I can send this to you in various ways. That includes Cash App. That includes Zelle. It includes various cryptocurrencies. includes bank transfers. And a few other ways you might be able to think of. Just ask me, and I'll tell you if I have that way to send you the money. Don't ask for ACR dollars. I can't send you ACR money because I don't play on there. But just about every other way... You can think of, I can probably send it to you. So that's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find it near the top of the screen. Go to pokerfraudalert.com slash freeroll, pokerfraudalert.com slash freeroll, all lowercase, to understand the rules for qualifying for the free money that we give away most weeks here on this show. In fact, Poker Fraud Alert has given away more money than any poker radio show or podcast in the world. Look it up. You won't find one that has given away more money than we have. And we have this free roll almost every show, and it's always a minimum of 50 bucks. And it is again this week. We're actually going to have a special free roll coming up. It's going to be more than 50 bucks. In fact, a good deal more. And it's going to involve someone we're going to have on the show tonight. And I will tell you more about that during the agenda, and then we will go on with the show. We're going to have two interviews tonight. One confirmed... One I'm hoping will happen, but there's a good chance we're going to have them both. We're going to, at the very least, have one. So this is a bit of a different show than we usually have. Often it's just me getting on here and ranting, sometimes with a co-host. This time we're going to have some guests on here, two different interviews. It seems like we either get a lot of interviews 
or we don't get any. It's very strange. So tonight we're getting two. I don't really seek them out, though. It's really my fault. I've had that criticism from people before that I just don't seek people to interview where I could probably have a lot more. But the truth is, I don't like doing interviews unless I think the listener is going to want to hear it. So usually people end up on here because either I find it's someone I'd really like to have on here and talk about or talk to, or that the person comes to me. If you want to call the show, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355 is the number, as it has always been. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. I'm only about 35, 40 minutes away by car right now from Mount Charleston, which is usually about 30 degrees cooler than the Las Vegas area. And I have an old 70s rotary phone that sits in a cabin on top of Mount Charleston and forwards to me wherever I go. That phone number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. That's the second line to the show, but don't text the Mount Charleston line. It's a rotary phone. It cannot receive text. If you want to text me, please text the main phone number, 775-372-8355. You can text me whenever you like, before, after, or during the show, and I will usually respond to you. By the way, I've noticed that occasionally I forget to respond to people because sometimes what happens is I'll wake up and I'll see I got some texts on the Poker Fraud Alert main number and I'll think, oh, I'll respond to that later. And then I just forget I ever got the text and I don't message the person or I'm busy with something like I read every text. It just occasionally I don't respond because I forget to respond. So do not feel shy about sending me another text uh, asking, did you read this text? Did you get it? Uh, Because I I will respond to you. I'm not trying to be arrogant and say, hey, I don't have to respond to this guy. He's not important enough. That's, That's not the way I work. I will respond to anything that would seem to warrant a response, even if it's just saying thank you or whatever it might be. So if I don't respond, that's usually what happens. And sometimes I'll respond like a month later, go, oh, sorry, I just noticed this now or I forgot to respond. So just in case you've texted me before and that happened, don't feel bad. You can definitely text me again. And it was my oversight to not do so. Or maybe I'm just saying this to be polite. You don't know. I haven't told you yet about the call to listen line which you can call at any time to listen to the show. If we're live, you'll hear the live show. If we're not live, then you will hear the archives, a show that's just plucked out of our more than 400 shows and just played in full. The call to listen line is very simple. You just call up and you listen. It does not require a smartphone, does not require an app, does not require a computer, the internet, none of that stuff. No, it's just very simple. You use any phone that can dial, and you call and you listen. And if you can call a U.S. number for free, it will be free unless you have T-Mobile. Then it'll cost you one cent a minute. The phone number is 518-931-1189, 518-931-1189. It will never buffer and it'll never freeze. This is a good way to listen to Boca Fraud Alert Radio if you don't have a good cell signal and you're out in the mountains or the hills or whatever and you want to be able to listen to the show. And when you have a poor signal, it's hard to listen to streaming media. And that's where this comes in because it will never buffer or freeze no matter how bad your signal is. It'll either work or not work. Either you can connect or you won't connect. So even with a very poor signal, you can connect and it'll come through pretty clearly. We have a chat room. If you're listening live, you can go in the chat room and you can chat with other users. You can also type anything you want me to be aware of. But keep in mind... I don't check it very often. I see Bobby Orr is in there. Bobby Orr's friend, Victor Robden, was in the seniors again, and uh, he ran deep 
again this year. Victor's a good player. You know, he he runs deep in a lot of events, and he was doing better than I was. And I saw he made uh, day three, so hopefully he's still doing well. I don't know if he's still in at this point. I wasn't checking today, but good luck to him if he is. And it's better if you text me if you want to say something during the show or call me. If you do want to call the show, please call between segments unless you're calling to say something relevant to what's on at the moment. But I really prefer calls between segments. Yeah, uh, Bobby Orr said he just went out. No, that's too bad. And it sucks to make it that far and uh, not get the really big money. But yeah, he did better than me. I'll, I'll describe how I did in the seniors when we get to that segment. So here is the agenda, and then we will get going with the show. So I will first talk about my return to Vegas. I did leave Vegas for almost two weeks, and then I came back just in time to play my second-ever World Series of Poker Seniors event. That's an event I was waiting to play for a long time. I just was not old enough. I had to be 50. I was 50 last year. I'm 51 right now, so this is my second shot at this event. It is still going. Obviously, I'm not still in, but I did cash. I'll tell you that. Spoiler alert, I did cash, but I will tell you what happened in that event and how it compares to last year's performance, where I finished roughly in the top 3%. Then I will give you some other World Series of Poker stories from the last two-plus weeks, the biggest of which I'm sure you've heard about by now, because this one's made mainstream news. The Martin Cabral story, where he is accused of cheating by marking cards at the 250K World Series of Poker event and other events in the past. This allegation was levied against him by Andrew Robel and echoed by several others. And when I say others, I mean high stakes, very well-known players. And this was all broadcast right on Poker Go. It was a lot of controversy. It made it into a number of mainstream news outlets where people who don't play poker, who don't follow anything about poker, were coming to me and asking, what's the story with this? I'm talking about like people I'm friends with in real life that have nothing to do with poker. They heard of it too. So kind of like Mike Postle and Robbie Jade Lou, this was another one that hit the mainstream media. So we're going to talk about that. I don't think it's going to be an enduring story like those other two, but it did hit the mainstream media. Obviously, this is a very big story, but uh, that'll be our first topic when we get to the World Series of Poker news segment. Then I'm also going to talk about the World Series of Poker Cold, which got me, got many players. COVID so far has not been much of a problem at the World Series. I bet you have not heard of many or any players at the World Series being down for the count due to COVID. You heard a lot of that last year. This year, it's been very quiet. But what has not been quiet has been colds. So there's a World Series of Poker Cold going around. I'll talk about that. We've had a weird epidemic at the World Series of Poker that is not a physical illness, maybe a mental illness, but we have uh, men who are going into the ladies' room. And when I say men, I don't mean transgender people. I'm talking about actual men who, as far as I can tell, are not transgender any more than I am. You know, they're just regular dudes, and they always seem to be older, you know, kind of like I am, except I have not gone into the ladies' room, and they are, and whether they're doing it on purpose or not, uh, they're going in there. So it's happened at least a few times here this World Series, and women are calling them out, so we're going to discuss that. Terrence Chan is not happy with Poker Go so much that he publicly deleted it, where he actually showed a screenshot of him unsubscribing and being done with it. I'll explain what he's mad about. 
the Big O event, which I suggested year after year, but I put in kind of a more formal suggestion last year on a Twitter thread where it was asked where you know, what events they'd like to see, they added it. And I'll tell you how the Big O event ended up doing and whether I played. Finally, this is something that's not being talked about a lot, but I think does need discussion. That is the parking follies that are taking place in the self-park lot of Paris and Horseshoe. And I ran into that last night shortly after I left the Horseshoe after getting my money that I cashed from the seniors event. And it was a huge mess. And I will tell you how that is a big flaw at the moment with the Paris and Horseshoe World Series of Poker venue that they're going to have to address at some point. Our two interviews tonight, one of them is going to be with an individual named Vegas Matt. Now, Vegas Matt, if you think about that name, and he's a slot machine YouTuber, and I bet your first thought is going to be, oh, no, I bet this is some sort of grifter or scammer, or at least someone who's kind of misleading, because you, you'll think of people like uh, D. Lucky, you'll think of people like Vegas Dave, others who have uh, a very bad reputation in Vegas that promote themselves and use either Vegas or something related to gambling as the venue for whatever they are doing that isn't very ethical. But I'm happy to tell you that uh, Vegas Matt is actually not controversial at all. He is an ethical slot machine YouTuber where he shows both the wins and the losses because there's a lot of slots YouTubers out there and they range from outright scammers to kind of misleading but not really scammy to someone like Vegas Matt, who is honest. So the point of Vegas Matt's channel is to really show what slot play is like, the good and the bad. So it's like an honest slots channel, which I support because I support things that are real and that are genuine and not just put out there because it looks good for YouTube or it's more interesting to watch or it gets people to open up their pocketbooks. I, I don't like things like that. I like when people are just real and honest with everything that's really happening, good or bad. And that's what I try to do on this show, as you guys know. So Vegas Matt, he's not someone I've ever met personally and he's not a sponsor. This may sound like I'm being a shill for him. I'm, I'm not uh, a shill at all. I've never met the guy. In fact, until tonight, right now, I have not even spoken to him. But we're going to have him on this show. It'll be the first time I speak to him. And he's going to tell us about his YouTube channel and what made him want to do this and basically what he's all about. And then you can go check out his YouTube channel. And I'll tell you before we begin the segment about some other slot YouTube channels that are different than his, different in a bad way compared to his. And then at some point we're going to have a Vegas Matt free roll where Vegas Matt and... Uh, some of his friends have donated money to have a free roll in the future. But again, this isn't a promotional segment. I'm, I'm putting it on because he differs a lot from the other slot YouTubers. And I think it's uh, refreshing to see someone who is a slot YouTuber that isn't BSing everybody. So I frequently report about bad or negative things happening in the world of poker gambling on this show. And yeah, that's typically interesting to talk about that stuff, but I think it's good once in a while to balance out that negativity with someone who's doing the right thing. So Vegas Matt's going to be on, and then we're going to have someone on who is controversial, nothing to do with slot machines, at least as far as I know. Eden Rocks, 
is someone who has thrust himself into poker controversy, even though he barely plays poker. And you probably didn't hear of him until May. And then if you've been following poker Twitter, you can't escape him. He's best known for running Twitter spaces and saying a lot of outrageous and controversial things on these spaces and having feuds with people and just spouting off and getting drunk. And a lot of people don't like him. In fact, I had some people message me who listened to this show who told me that they don't want me to have Eden Rocks on here because they don't want me to give him a platform. And I understand, you know, I understand if if people listen to this show, they don't want to listen to people they dislike because there are plenty of people who dislike Eden Rocks. And if you dislike someone or you've argued with someone or even if you haven't argued, you just uh, really don't like them, you probably wouldn't want to hear them on this show if you like this show. But, yeah, something's going to happen. Sometimes we're going to have someone on here that you don't care for. And I like to give anybody a platform to speak their minds. So, like, if Russ Hamilton wanted to come on here, I would let him come on here and explain his role in the UB scandal in the 2000s, the super user scandal where they cheated by looking at people's whole cards. I'd love to have him answer some questions for me. If Mike Possel wanted to come on here, even though he owes me $27,000, even though he sued me for $330 million, I would have him on here because I think the more we hear from him about the situation, the better. Whether you believe him or not, I'd still like to converse back and forth with him about all these matters. I know that Veronica was saying, oh, we can't have Possel platform. We can't ever put him on anywhere. No. Why not? Why can't we hear from Possel? The more we discuss things, the better, right? I'm not going to compare Eden Rocks to Russ Hamilton or Possel. In fact, Eden Rocks is not accused of any kind of scamming or cheating. Eden Rocks is not known to owe anybody any money, at least nobody in poker. He's not accused of any kind of uh, violent crimes or anything. This is not a guy who is in controversy for any of those reasons. He's just in controversy for things that he said. But you know who's been in controversy for things that they've said? Me. So I can understand that. Now, I'm very different from Eden Rocks. But at the same time, when someone says or writes controversial things and it pisses people off, I don't believe in just deplatforming them. So I think a lot of people are curious about him. And I've had a lot of people ask me what I think of him. And we're going to have him on here. I will tell you that he's not my friend and he's not my enemy. I'm really neutral towards him and I understand both those that like him and those that dislike him. I can kind of see both sides. But we're going to have him on here. I'm going to be very fair with him. be respectful. I'm going to ask him about his background. We're going to have a long talk with Eden Rocks provided that he can get off his spaces for a second and and do this because he's on his spaces right now as we speak. And I was like, oh no, he's never going to leave that. But he claims he will. So, And I have his phone number, so I'm going to text him when we're ready for him here. We're going to have Vegas Matt on earlier. We have uh, Vegas Matt's going to be on about an hour or so. We had a few other topics on the schedule that were originally planned, and we're not going to end up getting to them tonight. And I know that for sure because I'm recording this a few days later as I am preparing this show for the archives. I'm inserting this little segment in. So I deleted some of those out of the intro. A few of them are still in there, including the Martin Cabrell thing 
which we are going to lead off with when we do part two of this show. So basically, there's going to be a few episodes of PFA Radio released within not too long of each other. There's this show that was recorded on the 24th and 25th of June. Then there was a short show just done spontaneously about some current events that took place in those intervening days that was recorded on June 27th. And then part two, the intended part two of this show, will be completed sometime not too long after that. So if you don't end up hearing some of the topics that were brought up in the intro, that is why, but they will be coming soon. So Okay, let's start here. I'm going to tell you about my seniors event that I played this year. Of course, my second one now because I'm 51, second year I've been eligible. I have been hearing tales of this seniors event for years before I was eligible from people like Trader Ruski and Vintage One who had been playing it. And I thought, oh, if I only could be 50 and play this thing, but I just wasn't 50. And then finally, the joy of turning 50 Maybe the only good thing about turning 50 is that I could play the World Series of Poker Seniors event. Now, I will concede it's stupid. It's stupid that 50 is a senior. I don't feel like a senior. I don't feel young. I feel like I'm closer to being a senior than I am to being young. I feel like I have more in common with seniors than I do with young people. And in fact, that is reflected in the demographics of this show where we have a lot of 50-plus listeners here, which makes sense because I'm 50-plus. Still, I don't consider myself a senior yet. I'm just not quite there. I'm kind of in like older middle age now. But nevertheless, because the World Series of Poker wants money, the seniors event is 50 plus and the super seniors, which used to be 65 plus, is 60 plus. That's even dumber for super seniors, which you would think means like really old. No, that's 60 plus. Well, I'll be there in nine years. (laughs) So I don't think in nine years I would be a super senior. I would think of the super senior as being someone like my parents. Anyway, I guess it is true you can join the AARP when you're 50. So it's not completely out of line that 50 is a senior's event. So I registered last year, and I've gotten a question before. What would stop someone from registering if they weren't 50? And I always answered it by saying, well, the computer will catch you. The computer has your ID in there, which it does. If you play the World Series of Poker, you have to show ID, and they take your identification details with your birth date, so they know exactly how old you are to the day. So I said it just won't let you register. Just like you could not register for a ladies' event if on your ID it said sex male. So I figured if your ID said that your age was less than 50 on the day of the event, that you would not be able to register. Well, apparently that's not correct. I was told that the system does not have a way to verify your age and that anyone can register for the seniors event. It's just that you won't be able to cash if when you go to collect the money, it turns out that you are under 50. (laughs) Which is very dumb. How could they let that happen? And I assume that it would just be confiscated by Caesars at that point. I don't think it'd be redistributed to the other winners. I don't know if that's ever happened. Someone told a story at the table. That's how I found out about this. Someone told a story that someone was in the event. I don't know if it was on purpose or by accident, but someone was in the event who was 39 
not this year, but one of the prior years, and just looked way too young to be there. So someone asked the guy, you know, are you sure that you're 50? Because you really don't look it. The guy's like, what, 50? No, no, I'm 39. And they go, look, buddy, you... I don't know why you're here. This is 50 plus. So then the floor man was called over. And then apparently that guy was told that he's just disqualified right now. And he said, well, how did I register? And they said, well, this was up to you to verify that you're eligible. So if you register for the seniors and you weren't eligible, then you just can't cash. And as soon as we find out about it, we take you out of the event. So he asked for a refund and they said, no, this is not verified. This told to me by, others at the table. So that'd be interesting. I would like to know if this is true. And I guess there's one way to verify it. If you, you know what? Nah, like I'm trying to think about it. like the super seniors that's still coming. I was thinking maybe I could go attempt to register for the super seniors and just not go through with it. I wouldn't actually plunk down the thousand dollars and then get disqualified. But like, I guess I could do an experiment where I try to register for the super seniors and then see if they are willing to take my money and then at that point go, oh, wait, I'm not old enough, sorry, and then cancel it. But uh, that wouldn't prove much. The only way you could prove it is if you could actually fully register. And then I guess you could unregister at that point. I don't know. It would be an interesting experiment. Or I guess I, I guess I could ask somebody like Kev Math, but he may not know. But that'd be a big flaw in the World Series system if it cannot restrict people from registering who are not 50. But anyway, I got on a tangent here. That's not what I meant to talk about. We're talking about me here. And somehow, I don't know how this happened. This isn't like me, but I actually got distracted talking about myself to talk about other people. It's usually the other way around. Anyway, I wanted to one-up last year's performance, which was okay, my performance in last year's seniors event was something that I wasn't ashamed of, but I wasn't all that proud of. So what happened last year is I fired my first bullet in the event. You can register twice per day, and there's two starting days. So at max, you can fire four bullets, but no more than two in one day. So I fired a first bullet and did not work out. Fired a second bullet this last year, again, didn't work out. I got knocked out right before dinner. In fact, the guy who knocked me out is someone who listens to this show. And that guy actually finished third in the event, I believe, which is pretty cool for him, at least not for me. <laughs> he knocked me out. So I came back the next day to the third bullet. And right away, I got knocked down from the starting 20 down to six. And I go, shit, I, I just can't freaking win this thing. I'm just getting slaughtered here. Well, then I ran the six up. And then fast forward to day two at the dinner break where we've already made the money. I was sitting with double or almost double of average chips. So I was feeling great. And the table I was at was a pretty easy table. I really felt I had very good control of the table. And people were kind of intimidated by me, too. And I'm not just making this up. People actually said they were scared to play against me. I wore the bracelet and everything. Like, if you see me wearing a bracelet there, by the way, some people think, oh, it's so douchey to wear your bracelet at a World Series event. First of all, no, it's not. Like, if you're playing for a bracelet, how is it douchey to wear the bracelet when you're playing for a bracelet? That doesn't make any sense. Second, where else would you wear the bracelet <laughs> other than a World Series event? And third, there's a utilitarian purpose for it. I wear the bracelet at events where most people don't have bracelets, like the seniors event, because 
it helps with my table image. I like to have a good table image. And that assists with that. So there's a specific reason why I wear it, in case you see me wearing the bracelet. I was feeling great. I was feeling like I'm going to just crush that table. I was doing very well at the table already. I got to spend dinner thinking how sweet this was, that I was almost double average so late in the event with like low 300s left in the event at that point. And then I came back from dinner and just got clobbered. Just didn't work out. A lot of cooler hands. One which really took a lot of chips where it was just kind of natural. The money was going to go in. You know, that's how it goes in poker sometimes. So I thought, all right, well, that sucks. But it is very hard to get through a gigantic field, including the re-entries. There are about uh, 7,100 people who entered last year. It's very hard, even with the re-entry thing going on. With that many entries, it is very hard to make it to the very end. You have to consistently get lucky and not get too unlucky. It's very hard to do for that length of time. This is actually a five-day event. So I came back this year, and once again, I was struggling. However, not as badly as last time. So my first bullet lasted me almost to dinner of day one. And technically, I could still re-register, but I'd be very short-stacked and basically be in all-inner fold mode, and I wasn't going to do that. So I did not fire a second bullet on day one simply because it was too late for my taste regarding when to re-register. I didn't want to pay $1,000 and come right back and just shove or fold. So I said, all right, well, I'm done for the day, but I will come back on day two and put up to two bullets into this for a total of three. Remember, last year I put three. Last year I ended up in 263rd place for about $4,000. I came back and Matt the Rat, who is in town for the seniors event and just for whatever else he wants to play, he was also in day two. He also busted on day one like I did. And this was his second bullet. And then Traderuski. He came in just for day two, so he hadn't fired anything yet, but he was playing day two. And Vintage won. He was also there just for day two. And also, even though I didn't see him, Jay Jami, who once co-hosted this show with me for one episode and also posts uh, pretty regularly on the forum, he was in the event. And uh, so I had a lot of poker fraud alert people in there, and probably several others that I that didn't uh, identify themselves to me. In fact, I know there were, because some people were messaging me that they'd like to come over and say hi, and it just kind of never happened. But uh, actually, one guy did. But I have to assume we had a number of poker fraud alert people who were in that uh, field, given the age of this audience. So Matt the Rat, he just really had a tough time. Uh, his second bullet an absolutely awful hand where he had King Jack, the board was King King Jack. I mean, you're just counting the chips you're going to win at that point. And he ended up losing to Ace King with an ace on the river. I mean, that's just brutal. So that knocked him out. And of course, that's going to knock anybody out. And then he came back with a third bullet and ran badly on that one. So unfortunately, Matt the Rat went over for 3. Traderuski just was off to a bad start and was knocked out fairly quickly. So he only put that one bullet into it. And that was that. And Vintage won. He lasted somewhat longer, but he did not cash either. So Poker Fraud Alert people were not going very well. And here I was on my uh, third bullet after uh, busting the second one. And I busted it pretty quickly. So 
I did definitely have time to buy a third bullet, my third and final bullet. So I did. And I was uh, basically the last hope at that point for Poker Fraud Alert. I think Vintage One was still in at that point, but I can just tell you he didn't cash. So was I going to somehow outdo last year, again with three bullets, just like last year, where I finished in 263rd place? Well, it was starting to look like no. In fact, I got down to about 5K from the starting 20, and I thought, oh, well, <laughs> I'm pretty much done here. And keep in mind, this is a second bullet fired, so the blinds are already higher at this point. So 5K, you have very little play with, because we're several hours into the event, and I'm definitely in shover fold mode, and it just seemed like such a big deal to come back from that. I got down to 5,600, and I had ace-jack offsuit, and I open-shoved it. My 5,600 in. Well, I got call, call. I'm like, well, that's not great. Even though I did have uh, only 5,600, I thought probably one of them's ahead of me. Well, they weren't. One had ace-8 and one had ace-10. So the flop was eight high, so the guy with the ace-8 had a shot. But uh, turn was a jack, and I took the lead at that point, and then a river is seven. So I turned against the ace-8, though honestly I was the one dominating both of them. Since I had ace-jack, they had ace-8, ace-10. So I tripled up there. I was at 17k, almost the starting stack. However, then two limpers came in. I had nine, shoved over them, and then it turned out one of the limpers had ace-queen suited. And that's what you see at this event. You see weird things like this. Who's going to open limp with ace-queen suited? Well, this guy did. He was open limping with ace-queen suited. You never want to open limp with ace-queen. That's a horrible hand to open limp with because you don't want a lot of callers. Even with suited, you just don't want a lot of callers because it's a lot harder to win that hand against a lot of people. It's not like limping with a small pocket pair, which I also don't agree with, but at least you're going to do that. At least if you flop the set, then there's a good chance the set's going to beat people, and there's a decent chance you might get action if someone has a piece of the board. But the last thing you want with something like ace-queen is to have a lot of callers in there. So you're usually going to get a lot of action on that if you are losing. So he limps with the ace-queen suited and then calls my all-in, and uh, he ended up flopping the ace, so... I lost that, and I was back down to my all-time low for my third bullet of 4,200. So I'm thinking, okay, this is done. This is done. My nines ran into the ace-queen suited limp, and fortunately he didn't have enough to bust me, but I'm down to 4,200. This is going to be a total fail. I'm going to have invested three bullets for $3,000 total into the seniors event, and unlike last year, I'm not going to cash. That was how I was feeling. So then I open-shoved a hand in early position, forgot what I had. It wasn't something that premium and nobody called. Then the next hand I open shoved ace queen. At this point I had 5,700. I was flatted quickly by the next player. So I was thinking, crap, if I'm open shoving ace queen early and someone's just flatting me right away, that is not a good sign. Well, fortunately the guy had ace jack, so (laughs) the board ran out meaningless and I got up to 13k. Okay, I'm starting to come back a little bit. And, uh, however, then I slipped back down below 10K again. So this really just wasn't looking good. But finally, finally something came that I was happy to see. And that was pocket aces. And a guy open raised before it came to me. 
So I said, sweet. So this guy's open raising. I've got aces. I'm going to come over the top and pretty sure he's going to call. I have a shortish stack, so pretty sure he's going to call this unless he's got complete junk. And unless I get a bad beat, I'm going to double up here. So I was hoping to see ace-king, ace-queen, ace-jack, but he had pocket nines. So obviously aces are a big favorite over pocket nines, but you, know, you can always spike that two-outer and beat me. So what is the door card that I see? The door card, for those of you who don't know, is the first card you see before they reveal the flop. They'll just show you one card of the flop and then spread it all out so you can see all three. The door card that I see is a nine. Nothing's going right. So that's it, right? There's the nine in the door. I am just feeling dead inside. And then the player in seat one, you know, right next to the dealer, said, I think I may have seen an ace in there. And right then the dealer spreads it. Well, he wasn't right. There wasn't an ace in there. There were two aces. Pocket aces against pocket nines, and the board was nine ace ace. I flopped quads. He was drawing stone dead on the flop. Wow. <laughs> Imagine if we both had more chips. That would have been freaking sweet. But no, it was a short stack all in. But hey, I was happy to have it, especially after seeing that nine. I mean, you just think you're a goner, and that not only was there one ace there, there were two. That was crazy. I took a picture of it. You can see it on my Twitter on the Dandruff Poker Twitter that uh, I used to update my chips. Amazingly, just like three hands later, nines full lost again. I wasn't involved in the hand, but someone had nines full of fives with nine five five on the board. I think it was on the turn, and someone else had pocket fives. <laughs> this, three hands later, at the same table. What are the chances that nines full was going to lose twice in in four hands? Well, I started to run it up at that point. That was kind of the turning point. And I ended up making day two. So I made day two with 99K, which was just about average, like right about average. There were uh, 8,180 players in this field, which is a record, beat last year by about 1,000. And they were paying 1,227 spots, and they were about... 1,600 people left between the two starting days. So I had to fade 400 spots to make the money. So at this point, I was likely to cash. It was by no means a sure thing, but I had average chips and three quarters of the remaining people were going to cash. So it wasn't going to be a miracle if I cashed. In fact, if I didn't cash, it would have been uh, disappointing. But the min cash is only $1,600, so it wasn't exactly big money. They began day two of the seniors at 10 a.m., which is not good. I hate the 10 a.m. tournaments. I hate even more 10 a.m. day twos, especially after a 10 a.m. day one. So that really sucked. They, I guess, assume that all seniors get up early, but we don't. I had a second problem, though. The second problem was that as of 1 p.m. on day two, I was not going to have a hotel room anymore. <laughs> So I had to get my stuff out, but I couldn't get my stuff out because I needed to sleep there. I was at the horseshoe. I needed to sleep and, and go down to the tournament. 
So I couldn't leave. I needed to be there, but I also needed to leave the room. So like, how was I going to check out during the tournament? So I decided what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually check out during one of the breaks. I was actually too tired to get up and do it before the tournament. Remember, it's a 10 a.m. restart. So I pre-moved some of my stuff over to the next place I was going, the place I'm at right now. But I didn't want to sleep in that place because it's not close to the horseshoe in Paris. I guess that's another hint. And I didn't want to have to run into traffic or anything and get there late for day two. So on the first break, which fortunately was 25 minutes instead of 20, I had to make my way through the very heavy crowds of slow-moving old people, get myself to the elevator, go to my room, quickly throw all my stuff that wasn't already packed into the suitcase and the other bags I had, go back down with all my stuff, drag it all the way to my car, put it in my car, and then go all the way from my car all the way back to the tournament room. And I do all that in 25 minutes. And somehow, I did all of that in 26 minutes. So I missed one hand. Maybe it was aces, but pretty good. I I wasn't thrilled about missing any day two hands, but I wasn't short. And I did need to just get out of that room. And I just couldn't get myself up. So I figured it was probably better to do this on break and miss a few hands than get myself up even earlier and be more tired for the tournament. So I was shocked at how I did that. Now, I was really, really thirsty and hot from doing this. And in fact, I had thought I packed water in my backpack, and I did not. I left the water in the car like a fool because I was in such a rush. So I had no water with me either. So I was just dying. So fortunately, they have these like, uh, I don't know, sparklets or arrowhead bottled waters things in the tournament room, but they're not refrigerated, which is dumb, because you can get refrigerated ones. I guess uh, Caesars, you know you know how broke Caesars is. They, uh, with all the money they make in the World Series, they can't afford refrigerated uh, bottled water. But at least there is bottled water there. So I, I drank some of the warm bottled water there to hydrate myself. In fact, at one point, I think I was so dehydrated from all, all that running around that I was actually a little bit dizzy when I stood up. <laughs> it was a little bit scary. I, I felt like a true senior. There, there I felt like a senior. I stand up, I'm kind of feeling dizzy. I got to sit back down. I had to go get myself a glass of water, but I only missed one hand, and it didn't affect my play, but I uh, was was uh, slipping. I won the first hand, the very first hand I was dealt of, the, of day two, but I started slipping, and I got down to 70K, and then a really weird thing happened that you would totally picture at a senior's event if it's going to happen. So I raised under the gun with king-queen suited. And it folded to the big blind. And of course, I'm very happy to just take the blinds and ante there because it's only king-queen suited. Well, the guy in the big blind is talking with a drink waitress and asking about this drink and that drink. And like he's very distracted. I'm just waiting for him to look at his hand and fold. In fact, I'm thinking he probably will fold because when people are distracted, they tend to be tighter. That's a little tip for you, by the way. Anybody who is distracted and then uh, suddenly grabs his cards and plays the hand, is pro- it probably really likes his hand, especially if he re-raises you. So this guy's really distracted with the waitress. I kind of like signal him that there's a hand going on here and that he's ne- his action's needed. So he looks down and says, I'm all in. And I think, oh, shit, that's the last thing I need here. I'm getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> and, and now the guy's going all in over my king-queen suited. So... He could bust me, too. Uh, there's no 
way that's going to be the one I run it out with. And you know, whatever I had at that point, you know, like sixty whatever left, there was no way I was going to throw that in at that point. With King Queen suited when the guy's all inning from the big blind, and I hadn't seen him play in an unusual way prior to this. So this really looked like he had something that he just uh, wanted to run out post flop. Maybe Ace King, maybe Jacks, maybe Queens. Something like okay, whatever this is, I want no part of it. So I fold it. So then he flips over pocket fours, and he says, well, see, I had a pair, and I'm thinking maybe he's needling me, that he just went all in with pocket fours, and that I folded, that he made, he made my under-the-gun raise fold when he had pocket fours. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, what a dumbass, because there's a lot of hands I'm raising from under the gun, especially with this stack I have at the moment, where I'm going to call his all-in. It's not going to be king-queen suited, but there's a lot of hands I would have called that with. So, you know, good luck with the fours next time, buddy, I'm thinking to myself. But I didn't say anything, you know, whatever. If he wants to make the dumb play with fours, it'll backfire eventually. So, obviously, he won the hand. He's stacking his chips. And then it is time for my big blind and his small blind. So I take the big blind. I put my chips out. He's sitting there looking all confused. And I said, it's your small blind. He says, what? No, 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 it's my big blind. I go, what do you mean it's your big blind? You just... All in me from the big blind and showed me fours. He said, I did? I said, yes. He said, oh, oh, crap, I didn't realize. I said, I thought that this was small blind versus big blind and that I was the small blind and I was supposed to be the button now. (laughs) So what he thought was that it folded around to him, that he found fours in the small blind and not quite knowing what to do with those fours given the stack that I had, he just said, I'm all in figuring I'm probably going to fold because I probably don't have a premium hand there. That was his thinking for the fours. <laughs> he didn't realize I had already raised under the gun. So the funny thing is he made that move and it worked, but he made it for a completely different reason. He thought it was small blind versus big blind. And I hadn't seen my cards yet. Very, very different scenario than I had already raised under the gun. So then it all made more sense. Too bad he didn't do that into like a very strong hand. Like think if I had kings there, and he goes, "I'm all in," and then I find out that he only did that because he thought he was small blind against my big blind, and I hadn't looked yet. Never had that one happen to me before. I've had people like forget they were the blind and fold because they didn't put the blind out yet. But I've I've never seen it before where someone who gets raised in their big blind under the gun then all in from the big blind, believing themselves to be in the small blind. And the reason this all happened is because he was distracted by the drink lady. And by the way, this guy wasn't that old. I don't think he was uh, that much older than me. But nevertheless, he had a senior moment. But I mean, that's how it was running there at the beginning of day two. Even that dumb shit ended up hurting me. So I was down to the 60s and chips, and I wasn't feeling very good. And I opened with pocket sixes and uh, on the button, and then the big blind shoves over me for his entire 23K, which is, of course, is very short at that point. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I don't love this with sixes, but of course I've got to call. This guy's uh, desperate with his 23K stack. So I called. Fortunately, he had King Jack. So it was a race. I won the race, and uh, that kind of put me back on track. That kind of stopped the bleeding. And when I cashed, I, I didn't have, like, a big stack, but I was never desperate. I was never really short. So... I was shorter than average for a lot of the day. But I was not 
all that short stacked and uh, I easily made the money and at some points I got around average or even a little above average and then it would slip back down but the events of the day what was very consistent was that when I was all in I was winning when I wasn't all in I was losing it just kept happening over and over and over again where I had a horrible record on hands where I was not all in and when I was all in I just kept winning I'll give you some examples of where I went all in I had fours and I was short stacked this is one of the points of the day where I was short stacked I had fours this is after the money I went all in I got called by a big stack in the big blind who had king queen board came king queen jack turn four (laughs) then I had another one this one can't take any calls right now I'm just talking about the seniors call a little bit later but I had one where I had pocket queens and a guy raised I went over the top all in with my queens and he called he said well this should be a snap call but I'm not sure I want to so I'm thinking okay that's great that means he doesn't have kings or aces so I'm knowing I know I'm not in bad shape here but the question is is this gonna be a race or am I gonna be dominating so I'm hoping he's gonna have jacks or tens and call well no he has ace king suited in calls i don't even know why i got the speech there he definitely was supposed to call that so he did call and the flop came all low came with one spade low so i thought okay good flop turn a king and i actually let out a sigh i it's like kind of put my head down and made that noise what comes next yep a queen so he Hits the king on me on the turn. I hit the two outer queen back on him on the river. So I kept having things like that happen when I was all in. When I wasn't all in, it just seemed like I was losing. Then I I went to dinner. It's about two-thirds of average at that point. Day two dinner. Unlike last year where I was like almost double of average. I spent it with Trader Ruski and his dog. And then Trader Ruski and the dog came down to watch me play. And I'll say this, Trader Ruski saw me win along with Vintage One. They watched one hand the day before where I had won. So I was one for one hands they watched. And with Trader Ruski watching, I was just kicking ass. I was winning every single hand I was playing. I wasn't winning big pots, but I was winning kind of small to medium pots every time. And all of a sudden, I almost doubled up from when I came with dinner. And I was above average. Just from like five fairly quick hands where I was just smacking the table. Unfortunately, Trader Ruski had to leave. The highest my stack got to was 420K. You get it? The highest was 420. (laughs) It really was. It was really the highest I had. And then I was kind of spinning my wheels, and the average was going up. People kept busting. And then I just went incredibly card dead. I'm just getting trash, 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 trash. And the thing I hate the most is when people, people say to me, well, what do you mean you were card dead? You've got to make a move. You've got to do something about it. You can't sit around waiting for aces. That's not what I mean. I mean I was getting complete trash hands, and the table had enough aggressive people who were raising that it kept coming to me in a raised pot. So what am I going to do? Go all in with Jack-3 offsuit and hope they don't have something? Like, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to go in with total trash. I wasn't looking for super premium hands to play. I was just getting complete trash for the longest time, and it was just about always raised in front of me. I wasn't even getting much of a chance where 
I was in late position and it folded to me and I had a trash hand. I, I didn't even have that choice many times. So I just dwindled down, down, down. Finally, this old lady there, who was not very good and was pretty straightforward in her play and, and pretty tight, uh, she had just chunked off most of her pretty good stack, like just calling off a shitload of bets pre-flop with ace-jack suited. I don't know why she chose to make a stand with that hand, but uh, she lost a lot of that to a guy who, at the time, uh, had a similar stack to her, but a little bit less, so she was crippled. And then she had won a few double-ups and then uh, was less crippled, but still short. She had like 70K, and I and so she goes all in from the button, and I have uh, ace-10 suited on the button, so I of course I have to call, and... She has sixes, and the board just runs out blank, so I lost that hand. And basically, other than times I would shove with nobody in the pot yet, and it would just fold around, which I did a number of times, I did not win any other hands. So I just dwindled down, combination of being blinded and losing that one hand. It's just I, I would get some of it back by the open shoving, but uh, I just wasn't getting anywhere. And then uh, with... Three spots to the next money jump. 227 people left. And only four hands left to play for the day, which they announced. The next money jump was about seven or $800 more. So not huge money, but you know, not nothing. But I wasn't going to worry about the money jump. I wasn't looking necessarily to run it up at the end of day two or to make day three. Some people are obsessed with either running it up so they don't come back with a short stack the next day or just surviving to the next day and getting a fresh start. I'm, I take neither of those attitudes. I kind of treat all the days if they're all together. So with four hands left on day two, the cutoff who has a big stack open raises to 50 and the blinds were uh, 10,000, 20,000 and 20,000 big blind Annie. So the guy opened to 50 which is very standard. Small blind calls the 50, and I could tell he has crap. And I look down and I see king-jack offsuit on the big blind. So I don't like running out and all in with king-jack offsuit because if you're up against an ace, you already have a disadvantage right there. And you can also really be crushed if they've got uh, a lot of hands they'd be raising with. However, this was not like an under-the-gun early position raise. This was a cutoff raise, which is fold to the cutoff where he could have a whole lot of hands. He could be doing this with 6-7 uh, suited. He could be doing this with uh, with Jack-10. He could be doing this with Jack-9. He could be doing this with 10-9. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of hands he could be doing this with that King-Jack is beating, and a lot of others, like uh, small and medium pairs, where King-Jack is racing. So I'm hoping uh, he doesn't have a premium. And there's a lot of hands that people can race from the cutoff when they've got a pretty good stack that are behind King-Jack. And I knew the guy in the small had complete shit. So... I went all in. I only had 200k left, so I had uh, 10 big blinds total, and one of those big blinds was already in the big blind, so I had really nine big blinds behind. So I had 180 behind, went all in. I figured the cutoff's probably calling me unless it's real crap, and I figured the small blind's probably folding. That's exactly what happened. Unfortunately, the small blind had pocket jacks, so that was not good. What was even worse was that the board came 10 high all clubs, and I did not have a club, and he did, meaning that I only had two outs. I had the two remaining kings, which were not clubs. The third king remaining that was of clubs obviously was not going to help me. So none of that came, and I was gone. 
I was gone in 227th place, and then I noticed three minutes later that uh, the two other people had fallen, and in fact, one more person had fallen, so I would have actually made the pay jump had I just folded that. But I was not playing for the pay jump. I was not playing for the seven eight hundred buck pay jump. I wanted the decent stack to play with going forward so I could be competitive in the rest of the event and maybe make the final table. So That was at 227th out of 2180. I cashed $4,486. I put in $3,000 though, so I only made a $1,400.86 profit. I had a similar result last year. In fact, the two years were incredibly similar. Last year, I invested three bullets. This year, I invested three bullets. Last year, the third bullet fell down to 6K very fast, and it looked almost hopeless, and then I ran it up and ended up running deep. This year, I fell down to 4K. In fact, I fell down to 5K, ran it back, and then fell down to 4K, and then ended up running deep on that third bullet. Last year, I finished 263rd out of 7,100. This year, I finished 227th out of 8,100. Last year, I went out squeezing from the big blind, and I ended up against pocket jacks, which I wasn't expecting, and the jacks busted me. This year, I went out squeezing from the big blind, and I ran up against pocket jacks, which I was not expecting, and it ended up busting me. Pretty amazing, huh? Very, very similar these two years. So I did a little bit better this year. I made it to the final 2.7% of the field, and I cashed for like 400 bucks more than last year. Of course, both the years made a profit. Not a big profit, but profit nonetheless. Will I be back next year? Definitely. So I like that event. Something that I've noticed with it, though, both years, is that the play styles are just so strange. You see limping when you wouldn't expect limping. You see just bizarre call-offs when people just definitely should fold. You see just times for people who are tight to suddenly spaz out or just get very stubborn and, and won't uh, let a hand go pre-flop when they should. There's a lot of just unpredictable behavior. That's the best way I could put it. A lot of unpredictable and non-standard play at these events. These, the seniors event, I have to assume other seniors events are like that too. So the approach I just took was tr- wait for people to hang themselves. Let, let others make the big mistakes against me. Try to take little shots when I see the opportunity, but don't make that my main strategy. More of just uh, let the people do weird things that are going to allow me to win more in the pots where I have something strong. Because it does make it a bit more difficult to read players here, given the non-standard play you're seeing. quick call here then we're going to call up a vegas matt caller you're on the air hello yes hey todd it's marty marty hello so uh this is marty aka tide and uh we, we've had a, a checkered history over time to say the least and uh d- dates what back you, uh, what are you talking about right now i'm just calling in from the casino Okay, well, what's on the show? Well, I'm I'm about to. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to hang up on you shortly, and, and we're do, we have a scheduled interview with somebody, but uh, not not anyone you oh. know. But uh, uh, I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit here before we do that. I, I was just finishing talking about the sure. seniors. I just finished talking about the seniors' event, so you kind of called it a good time right between segments. Oh, okay. 
So anyway, Marty, is you're in Vegas now as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm at South Point right now. I was just watching the Angels game. What a disaster. <laughs> you were still what watching was, after? What was the final? 25, what was it, 25 to 1? I, I stopped looking. Yeah, there was a very unusual game. It was a 23 to nothing after four innings. I've never seen that before in my life. Yeah, I was looking at it. It was, it was 5 to zip, and I went to take, take a leak. I came back like eight minutes later. It's 15 to 0. <laughs> that was a bloodbath. So anyway, what's happening? Uh, just thought I'd call in. I don't know what's your what's on the agenda for the show tonight. What do you? Uh, it's a, pretty much. Who are you interviewing? A bunch of stuff. Uh, I'm actually going to have uh, Eden Rocks on a bit later, I think, but he's not the one I'm calling now. I'm going to be calling uh, a, a YouTuber. Oh, that guy. What's your, what's your take on? Can I can I say something about that guy? Yeah, go ahead. Where did he come from? Where did he come from? Number one, is his is his whole deal like just creating aggravation? I don't get his whole shtick. No, his, the, his whole deal, we'll get into this more when we have the interview with him, but in short, his whole deal is self-promotion. He, uh, I get that. He wants everyone to notice him. He wants to become kind of famous and notable through poker and not through play, not through poker play. He admits he's not that good of a player. He's, he wants to become... Didn't he, didn't, he run a, didn't he run a GoFundMe page to get stage for like a 400 event <laughs> i don't know if he had to go fund me i know that because of his notoriety and running the twitter spaces which is how he became notable here in the last uh month and a half that because he got known through that and and, and the various controversies that sprung from that that some fans of his were putting him into some events and giving him free hotel rooms because the guy was basically broke so he was uh he was getting all of this charity from from people who liked him and uh, he's still in, in Vegas so here. He, so he's basically he's basically a shameless attention whore. Uh, sort of, but it's more complicated than that. So it's it's uh, that's okay. why it's kind of hard for some people to nail down the story with him and what to think about him. So I I, I don't mind the yeah. guy. You know, he's he's not my friend. He's not my enemy. I, I I'm very neutral towards him, and I, I understand both the criticisms of him as well as those who who like him and think that the criticism's unfair. I, I kind of understand both sides. So did you uh, did you bust it at the uh, seniors event? I, I did at the very very end, four hands away from day two. I busted, so I was two twenty seventh out of eighty one eighty. Okay, you went right out after you said you were at like two fifty left. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, listen. I know you got a schedule. I just I I, I didn't know what you were talking about. I just saw the, the on the air button. I just wanted to call and say hi. That's it. So hey, if listen, if you uh, I was thinking if you want to schedule an episode, just do one for the forum one of these days. Just go over this old forum drama for 20 years. I guess, I guess you know what? 24 hours straight. Have a but. Huh? I, I don't know about 24 hours straight, but what I can tell you, though, <laughs> is that it's not a bad idea to have a forum episode. Because I usually don't like to mix the yeah, two very much. Exactly. But but, I, but since they're, we've had this forum all this time, and it's, it's, it's a you know, semi-active forum. Yeah, hey, yeah listen, I was going to make a post about this today. I was thinking just, you know, maybe after the series when things kind of cool down. You know, announce it. It'll, it'll, I bet it'll bring a lot of lurkers out of the woodwork. And then there's, I mean, there's no shortage of material dating back to what 2003. So I mean, I imagine you get a lot of people who've been off the grid for a while to kind of call in. If you know, tweet it out. Maybe a few weeks' notice. Whatever. That'd be fun. You know, I'm sure uh, a lot of people would come out. Shit. Oh, co-host it with you, man. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> actually funny. not a bad idea. Is to have a, a forum discussion episode about all the different things that have happened on the forums yeah. uh, from 2004 through yeah. present. Uh, and poker fraud alert yeah, that started open lines. in uh, o- open lines, open callers. That'd yeah. be great. And that we we started the forum at poker fraud alert on uh, in March of 2012, but then uh, a lot of us were together on the Neverwind Poker forums, uh, some as far back yeah. as uh, 2004. Hey, you know, there's still a handful left. I mean, the the community's disintegrated now. You know, you know this, but. 
I mean, think of everything going back to 03, 05, MWP, uh, Donk Down 1, Donk Down 2, then Boris, Ty. I mean, there's just infinite episodes and personalities and all kinds of crazy shit to discuss. Yeah. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be epic. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Okay, well, thank you for calling. We're going right, to move ahead. on yeah, to the next go segment. Ahead. Go ahead, Todd. Enjoy the rest of the show. Okay. All right, take care. Goodbye. Right, another call here. Let me quickly take this one. I, I probably shouldn't take the, uh, It was an anonymous call. I don't like anonymous calls. If you're going to call the show, please show your phone number. No one's going to see it except me, and I just want to make sure that it's like a, a, a real phone call. Probably shouldn't take this, but okay. Anonymous caller, hello. Hello, Mr. Druff. Yeah, who is this? A one dollar boxcar. Okay, so did did you hear what I said though about wanting to show the number? Like you didn't show me your number. Uh, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> well, why not? Are you worried about, like, that I get your number? Uh, I just rather remain anonymous. Okay, I mean that's fine. I I have no problem with you. Like I would do nothing with your number. Trust me. Even if I did have a problem, I wouldn't do anything with your number. But okay, that's fine. I know who you are on the forum, so that's fine. Uh, what would you like to say? Uh, I I was just wondering if uh. If you've been following the the Christie thread there, um, that he did come out and say that that was his YouTube channel. Oh, it, it's fresh content. Oh, interesting. So, no, I I didn't see that recently. I I was playing the seniors event at the World Series for three well, days. I figured you was busy. Yeah. Yeah. I figured you was busy at the WSOP. So. Yeah, I, I was, and. Uh, I still somewhat am. So, yeah, thanks for telling me that. I'm going to go take a look at that thread, not right now during the show. But, yeah, um, what he's talking about is Christopher Mitchell was banned from YouTube a few months ago, and that was his third channel that's gotten banned. And then it seemed like he gave up. In fact, he even said that he gave up. He even said that he's not bothering with YouTube anymore, which kind of surprised me. And then this weird Christopher Mitchell channel popped up, which kind of appeared to be someone capitalizing on his name, not really someone who was exposing him, like we do, but like probably just some other scammer that was pretending well, to be yeah, him. That was the first one. Oh, and there's that a, other one came out. Oh, there's I a second channel now. Both of them are his. Oh, so there's a second channel. Oh, no. so I, I actually still think the first yeah. one is fake then, because I was very surprised when you well, just told me that the first one was real. But you're telling me there's a second one that's real, but there's also that first one. Correct. Oh, okay. Okay. And so, on the second one, the second one is where he came out with the original content and said yep this is my youtube channel he's got it displayed on his facebook page now too oh so, okay well we're gonna have to work on that but that's because... the second channel i still think the first channel was him playing games well throw off throw off uh, us deadbeat broke douchebag haters yeah i mean anything's possible with him but i i just was yeah. thinking that if he was going to come back to youtube he would have not done it with just weird reruns from the past they were just kind of random mm -hmm. and uh but okay, the the second channel that he's been endorsing is his. He, he also put out, I did see he put out a message saying the first one wasn't him. So but now I guess now he, maybe he started the second one because the first one was imitating him anyway. And he decided he didn't want that going on. But whatever it is, uh, we'll have to put in some work again to get this removed. Because the the channel he uses, uh, that you know when he is running a channel, that's how he gets new suckers into his scheme. And that's how he finds new victims for, for the gambling coaching scam that he's been running and has been now for uh, over three years. So, yeah, thanks for letting me know. I'm going to check out that thread after the forum, and I appreciate the tip. Yeah. The first one, I, I think it is, I, I still think it's him because he's been flashing that redirector link to get to his Thrive cart, 
it's GoLifeBaby.com, but it's a redirector link, and it takes you to the Thrivecart site. Yeah, that so is weird. Very interesting and confusing at the same time. And that had showed up on the first channel. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. That is weird that the first channel would be having like a real link to using his own services, but maybe that's the person's attempt to try to really fool everyone into thinking yep. it's him, and then they'll they'll pull the rug out and do something else later. I don't know. It's, it's hard to figure out what's going on with a lot of this crap. But uh, I will definitely take a look at his new channel, and uh, thank you for the tip. Oh, yeah, no problem. All right, thanks. Bye. Okay, take it easy. Bye. I was sure that was going to be a prank call. I, I was, like, waiting for someone to say something obnoxious. <laughs> it was just, it was $1 boxcar from the forum who's a legitimate guy. He just doesn't want me to have his number for whatever reason. Uh, you can really trust me with the numbers, though. I don't ever give out anyone's number here. I want to talk about Vegas Matt. Vegas Matt is a slot YouTuber. And you get to watch him playing slot machines. And this is not an original concept. There's a number of slot YouTubers that are out there. And a lot of them get a lot of views. And you might ask, well, who would want to watch this? Who would want to watch other people playing slot machines? Well, not everybody can visit Vegas or other gambling venues very easily. Some people live in other countries. Some people live just far from anywhere that you can gamble. Some people can't afford to gamble. Some people have gambled and they lost and they just prefer to watch someone else do it. Some just like watching various slot machines and how they play and they like the variety of the machines that are out there and they like being able to see them in action without having to invest their own money into it. Some of them like to see jackpots get hit or whatever else happens that uh, as people play slot machines and they feel like it's hard to watch others without appearing nosy. So for whatever reason, even though I don't watch this sort of thing myself and I don't really see the appeal myself, slot channels are fairly popular. Now the problem that occurs with these slot channels is that there's a lot of dishonesty that takes place. There's a lot of people who will start a slot channel to promote themselves as someone who's just always winning and always having a great time. And the reason they do this is varied. Sometimes it's because they're going to be selling something later on. Sometimes it's because they just want to present a positive image of themselves Sometimes it's because they figure that people don't want to watch others losing, that they want the channel to be happy, and that it's going to turn people off if they watch them getting their butt kicked. So every slot channel I'm watching, I don't watch them very often, but I will take a look at some of them because there's a thread on the Poker Fraud Alert forum about them, and people will mention certain slot channels to me. So when I watch them, I get irritated because I can tell that they're not authentic. Yeah, they're showing real slot play, but it's not live. It's edited, and it's always edited to make them look like they're doing better than they are. Even ones that throw in the occasional losing session so they don't look like they win 100% of the time, they're still not honestly showing. And the truth is with slot machines that unless you're doing slot advantage play, which is not an easy thing to do, and it's also very tedious... And it also requires a lot of discipline 
So if the advantage play doesn't work out and you lose, and the machine then moves into negative EV state, you're supposed to get up and leave. You're not supposed to keep chasing, or you're going to really lose a lot of money. So unless you are a slot advantage player, which most people are not who play slots, you're going to lose a lot of money because slot machines not only have a high casino hold, much higher than video poker, much higher than the table games like blackjack, slot machines have a very high casino hold, meaning you're going to lose a lot of money fast, and they have a lot of variance because there's jackpots. And when I say jackpots, I don't mean necessarily like a million dollars. That's sometimes a jackpot too. But even the ones with smaller jackpots, it still needs to hold back enough money to eventually pay out one of these jackpots. So if you are playing and not hitting one of these jackpots, you're going to get your ass beat usually at slots. That's why when you sit down at a slot machine, you can sometimes feel like you just never win. Yeah, you may win like in the first five minutes, but if you're there for any length of time, even like 45 minutes, you can you can lose thousands of dollars at machines where you're not even playing at that high of stakes. So when you see a slot YouTuber who just seems to be hitting things over and over and over again, and it just seems like they're winning and they're winning and they're winning, they're not being honest with you. And by the way, most of these slot YouTubers are not casino advantage players. So these are not even people who are showing their advantage play without revealing that's what they're doing. These are people just playing normally, and they're just editing out all the losses. And you may say, well, why would anyone do that? Because they're losing a lot of money doing this just to have a YouTube channel. Well, some of them make it back and more from their channel growing big enough to where they're making money from YouTube, because YouTube will pay you if you have a channel with a lot of action and it's monetized. Once you get enough subscribers, you can monetize your channel where YouTube will run ads on it and then you get paid. So some of these YouTube channels make a lot of money and that's what these slot YouTubers are often going for. They're just looking to get a lot of subscribers and a lot of viewers and then make money that way, sometimes just to feed their slot habit. Now you also have the really unethical slot machine players or slot machine YouTubers like D Lucky. Think about D Lucky who portrays himself as a gambling expert, including in slots. And then people pay him $1,800 to spend 10 minutes with him to spin high limit slots. And they invest a few thousand more in that and usually lose. And then he films them doing it and only posts the winners. So he became a slot YouTuber just to direct people to this meet and greet business he has going on where people pay 1800 bucks to meet with him for 10 minutes thinking that he really has the secrets of how to beat slots. And these poor people, you know, they've been playing slots for years in Vegas and they can't win and they think, well, here's an expert here. Here's a professional slot player. He's going to show me. He's going to show me which machine to sit at. And then they don't realize that he's just sitting them down at a machine that's no better than what they'd pick randomly. So there's people like D-Lucky. There's others who are even worse, who are just outright scammers. It's leading territory where they're not asking anyone for any money. And there's no real scam, but they're just not showing you the truth about what's happening. They're trying to grow their channel based upon false results they're really not getting. And they're not giving you usually exact wins and losses per session or anything. So they're not just saying, hey, I won this much money when they really haven't, 
but they're just showing you win after win after win and not showing many or any losses. And it can be very convincing. Some of these are very slickly edited to where they look very impressive. And it's just they seem so happy and they seem to be having so much fun and it's just they're hitting time and time again. And then you go to the casino and try it yourself and you lose all your money real fast. And you say, how did this happen? <laughs> it's because these people are not showing the honest truth of what's going on. Some of them even have permission to film in these casinos and in fact get paid for it to promote these specific casinos, hoping that people will go down there and try to have the same success, not realizing that the losses are edited out. So the reason I'm making this speech is because there's a lot of different slot YouTubers out there and I really found myself not having respect for any of them. It seemed like every single one of them was at least lying to some extent. Remember we talked about Slot Lady on here. She was in the category of misleading. Not only did she do a lot of editing of her results, but also she was trying for quite some time to portray that she was single without directly saying it because a lot of her appeal came from the fact that she was a young, attractive female and she didn't want to give away that the person holding the camera was her very long-time boyfriend and it turned out to actually be husband. So she definitely did not want people to think that she was off the market. And for a long time, they were hiding the fact that there was a dude with her all this time, <laughs> like physically there while all this was going on. And then when it was exposed, she tried to push back and say he was her business partner. The whole thing was very embarrassing. So she wasn't scamming anybody. She wasn't asking. I mean, she, she, she did get donations and that was part of it too, because she'd have these live chat sessions on YouTube where you can actually give the person money directly. And a lot of these desperate guys that were watching her would give her money hoping that maybe they'll impress her and maybe the, you know maybe one day she'll date them and if they knew she was married they probably wouldn't have so she did get money that way she never scammed anyone but that was an example of someone who definitely wasn't completely honest with everything they were doing so vegas matt is different Vegas Matt, you can find him on YouTube as just Vegas Matt. If you just type Vegas space Matt in the YouTube search bar, you will find his channel. It, it has 100,000 subscribers. And before we call him, I'm going to read you what it says here as of the description of the channel. My gambling is as real as it gets. You see the reality of the wins and the losses of a true gambler. Now, he's actually been on YouTube for a very long time. He's been on YouTube for 16 and a half years since January 2007. He's actually become somewhat well-known. And in fact, a Poker Fraud Alert radio listener who was with me, not in Vegas, but somewhere else about uh, two weeks ago, he said to me, hey, have you ever heard of this Vegas Matt guy? And I said, yes. And then he said, yeah, that guy seems like uh, he's pretty legit. And I said, yeah, he is. So someone who had no idea that Vegas Matt was going to be coming on this show soon <laughs> asked me if I had heard of him and wanted to know my opinion of him. So anyway, you can go check out his channel. But the whole theme of this channel is you're watching a guy play slots and you're seeing the real results. You're not seeing BS. You're not seeing edits. You're not seeing anything that's trying to make him look good or make him look like a big winner. And you get the real Vegas slot machine experience with Vegas Matt, where as far as I've seen, none of the others are giving that to you. And uh, he plays other things as well. He play, plays video poker in some of these. 
So uh, I'm going to connect him on here. And this will be the first time I talk to him. And the way I know him is uh, through a listener of this show. That's how I know of Vegas Matt. And we're going to have him on here. And this will be my first time talking to him, too. Hello? Is this Vegas Matt? It is. Vegas Matt, welcome. Yes, it is. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. You are live on the air right now. No way. Yes. Uh, cool. Let me go over here. I'm over at. I'm in the. I'm in the wind high limit room. Oh wow. Reasonably quiet, so I'll go to take a seat here. And uh, yeah, cool. Thanks for calling. Yes. So, I just gave a little intro describing who you are and, and your channel and everything like that, and my impression of it. That, and I was saying to the audience here prior to my call to you that. Aside from yours, every slot channel I was finding, I found various degrees of dishonesty, and it always bothered me because, like, I have a very real show here. I just state my true and honest opinion about everything, whether good or bad, uh-huh. and and I I don't like when people mislead anyone, even if the misleading isn't directly scamming anybody. Just just any kind of thing that's kind of based upon dishonesty always bothers me, and that's how I always felt watching these other slot channels. And yours, I know, is is the anti of that. So uh, let me start off by asking you, uh, how long have you had this this channel? Uh, we, I think it's been a couple of years. We just actually, t- we, we, we started on TikTok and then we started doing uh, YouTube kind of heavy a few months ago. And, and tonight we just hit 100,000 subscribers. So that was a big, big milestone. We got a little silver play button or something, my son tells me. And, uh, and, but to what you said before, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, dishonesty is never like a real attractive quality. And I think one of the things I've done my whole life is I've kind of like, what you see is what you get authenticity. And, and I tend to agree with you. My channel's definitely the best. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're killing it, man. Thank you for the compliment. I appreciate it. It's very nice of you to say. Yeah. Now I saw something on your channel. The reason I asked how long it's been going is I saw your channel began in January, 2007. And I'm like, how could I have not heard of this like way back then? How could this have been going 16 and a half years without me knowing about it? So why does it say you've been no. up since 07? That's what I it mean, says. I think I had, a, I had a channel for like probably like my old business or something. And then we just converted oh, that, okay. that page that was linked. Like it used to be just Matt Morrow business page or something. And then now it just, my son turned it into the Vegas map. But I've only been doing the slot stuff. I think I think we looked back and it was like, it was like sometime in 2021, I think. We started oh, okay. like, so it's been about two years. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense, because I was thinking, wow, this is a very forward-thinking guy to be doing a slot channel back in 07. Like, none of that was going on in 07, but all right. I mean, I wish. I mean, can you imagine if you had a YouTube channel? Like, I was just not smart enough to do that. If I had had one, like, all those years ago, and, like, I mean, we just would be making millions. It's crazy how, how amazing. This, this social media thing is blowing my mind. I mean, I cannot believe how big it's gotten, and, like, Every casino I go into, everyone says, oh, I watch your channel, and it's just been so cool. And it's just a total accident. I was retired. I was just a degen gambler, you know, just being bored and being retired in Vegas. And then it's turned into this, you know, huge career, like probably one of the biggest successes I've ever had in my life. Yeah, and I, I noticed that here with your channel. Like, when I went there. I'm like, oh, Vegas Matt, he's, he's not a young guy. And I'm not a young guy either, but I was like, uh, most of the people on YouTube who have successful channels tend to be younger, and, and you're not. So, uh, yeah, in retirement, it's, wow. it's very nice that you've uh, had this thing uh, working out so far. And I, I saw the 100K subscribers. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of subscribers. And, th- and these are real subscribers? These aren't bought subscribers or anything like that? 
No, of course. I wouldn't know how to buy a subscriber. And that's <laughs> thing is idiotic. Like, my, my son always points this stuff out to me. He's like, this guy says he has like, you know, two million uh, subscribers or followers or whatever. And then you look at his post and there's like four comments and 10 likes. And you're yeah. like, how does that work? I mean, like mine just absolutely blows up. I could, I could post a picture of me blowing my nose and I'd get 5,000 likes, you know, I should probably try that or something. It's, so yeah, no, not any, no, no bot followers or anything like that. I, I, I like I said, that would kind of not meet, be my brand. My brand is kind of like real uh, and just, and not selling a bunch of crap. Like we don't promote anything. We don't sell some, you know, rip off casino or anything. Like we don't do, we don't sell anything. We just entertain. And my son told me, he said, just don't worry about making money. Just, build the crap out of your audience and then the money will come and then a little little turd he ended up being right Shocker. you know uh i i will say that i mentioned this before you came on someone i was with two weeks ago who had no idea that uh i knew you through somebody else was asking me hey have you heard of this vegas matt guy what do you think of him yeah he seems pretty legit to me so yeah definitely your your name's gotten out there a lot to where someone just totally independent of this uh came to me and asked uh what I thought of your channel. So you That's say, fun. You, thanks for thanks for the kind words. So you say you post the wins and losses. I saw that's the main theme of your channel. So how do you go about doing that? Do you actually just decide I'm going to record a particular session of video poker or slots or whatever it might be, and then just uh, start to finish record it and then put it up there? I mean, basically, almost every day, me and my son and my friend we cruise out and let's say, you know, we're going to go some place. We try to play somewhere reasonably intelligent, you know, like let's say that the casino has like a 10 X multiplier or something like, well, let's go play there and earn some, you know, valuable player points. And then, so we'll go and we'll play somewhere. And, and then my son will come up with an idea. He'll be like, Hey, let's go play like pinball 10 times in a row and see what happens. Or let's play this until we get this bonus. Or let's like today we did a thing we did a Facebook live at the M and it was a hundred thousand subscribers. So I put a hundred thousand dollars, through a machine and to see what happened and then what happened was i lost four grand uh after playing like a hundred or a thousand hands of 125 dollars a hand at, at uh video poker so just weird stuff like that it was just random and then it's a lot of it i think what the difference is is that we actually have like funny intelligent banter like me and my son and my friend are talking about stuff and we've just developed a real relationship I kind of like liken it to the early days of like a Howard Stern show. I got my whack pack and, you know, I'm just like talking and, and entertaining. And then you happen to be watching slots together. It's like watching your friend go and play slots. I think that's more the vibe of my channel. Not so much the wins and the losses, but anybody who's not completely full of shit will, that gambles. I don't know if I, sorry for swearing on your show. No, you can, uh, you can swear all you want. It's fine. I mean, I, I shouldn't swear. It's not very becoming. But anyway, you know, someone would have to be full of baloney to say that they don't lose at slots. I mean, give me a break. Like, it's an algorithm and a chip, and you push it, and, you know, you win some and you lose some. And it's, it's just that's just how it is. Nobody knows when a machine's going to hit. Unless it's a must-hit or something like that, or a Regal that's at 74 purple or something, you know. like uh, Then you know it's going to hit. Uh, there are certain games that you do know that they're going to hit, but there's no magic on certainly on pinball or top dollar or dragon link or any of the games that you see everyone playing. When you decide you're going to go out and record something that's going to be posted, no matter what the results are, it's, it's not going to ever be where, well, I did really badly. So I'm just not going to post this one. Well, sometimes we'll watch a video and then my son will be like that. 
I go, hey, what happened to that video of, you know, playing every slot of the Aria High Limit Room? And he's like, well, it was depressing. Or, you know, some, uh, he watches it and he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to post it. I think it just sucked. I mean, we just got wrecked and lost too much or you were in a bad mood and just wasn't a good video. So we don't post everything, but certainly if if we say, okay, we're going to play this until we get a, until we get a jackpot, and then we do, and then we if we win, that yay, it was a big jackpot, and we hit it right away. And then other times it's like it took like 45 minutes, and we finally hit it, and it was a total sando. We got we had nothing, you know, and that's just how it happens. And and I think people like that because it's like yeah, that's what happens to me, you know. And are these posted live at the time, or are they uh, recorded and uh, reposted? We do a lot of lives. Like, we've been doing a lot of Facebook live lately, and we're also pretty big on, or not big, whatever. We get, a, like, a 1,000 or 2,000 people watching us on Twitch. And so we stream live a lot. I like I like doing the live streams, just walking around and just saying, hey, guys, what do you want me to play, blah, 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 like that. I would go, like, an hour or two or sometimes three or four or five. And uh, we do a lot of that. And then, But, no, then we film different, like, different stuff, and then my son edits it together. And then, like, I just was on vacation for a week. And he had, you know, seven, 10 minute YouTube videos banked, as we call it. So we might go out on a day and film four or five videos and then post them over the next four or five days. Going on a cruise in July for 17 days. So right now we're trying to bank enough content to keep videos coming out every day while I'm gone. Now, are you going to film anything on the cruise? I know the casino slot machines on the cruise are pretty bad. That's what, uh, you know, that's what they say, I guess. I, I definitely will if they'll let me. I haven't, you know, I don't know anyone at Oceana Cruises, but I'm sure they have a casino and I'm a pretty, pretty smooth talker and I'll talk to them and I'll say, hey, let me, let me plug your casino here and make some content. So I, if I can, I will. Uh, I'm just going to, my son's not going to be with me. And he says when I film myself, it's always terrible. <laughs> so he, he's our camera guy usually. So we'll see. I, I hope to. I went to Monte Carlo and played and he just said that all the footage that I saw I, I shot was completely unusable, so I was bummed because that was kind of cool. I flew all the way to Monte Carlo to go play in the you know the James Bond casino, and then they wouldn't let me film, so I was like sneaking, and it was pretty funny. But it turned out to be unwatchable. Yeah, and the, the cruise, I think they're going to let you based upon my experience, because from what I've seen on cruise ships, they're far more lax in their casino as far as the rules and what you can and can't do there versus land based casinos because there's no. Uh, regulations they don't have to worry about uh, getting in any kind of trouble so uh, to give you an example i actually once put my son who was uh, at the time like 11 months old in, in front of a uh, it was an electronic poker table it was like regular poker except you're doing electronically with with no chips yeah. and uh, i actually had him pressing the buttons by moving his hand to press them and uh I wasn't worried about getting in any kind of trouble, whereas I would never do this in a Nevada casino. I can imagine if they saw me doing that in a Nevada casino, I'd try to be 86 immediately. But on a cruise ship yeah. casino, I wasn't that worried. They didn't catch me anyway, but even if they did, they, at worst they would have said, oh, you know, he's not supposed to be here, take him away. Like, that's all that would happen. So I, I have a feeling if you asked them and, yeah, and were nice about it and just uh, even said, hey, you know, it's going to be promoting your ship, I'm, I'm sure they'll say okay because they, they really don't care very much about that sort of thing. I mean, you, you never know, and I've never been on Oceana, but I, th I think you've got a good shot at that. But I, I can also understand. Right, yeah, I can also understand not posting videos that just aren't watchable, that aren't good. Yeah, I mean, we try to make it watchable. I mean, it's got to be either entertaining or funny or bring, make some kind of a point or whatever. I don't. know. My son does it all. I don't really do anything. I joke. I'm just the talent, and he actually is the brains of our operation. So he, he decides what's good, and I. He's 28 years old, and I think he has a good read for what's cool on social media. I mean, I mean we're crushing it. 
And I don't know, someone made a post, one of the other people that like is a news guy in the gambling world made a post saying that, that our channel had more views than anybody else's channel last month. We did like 50 million views altogether. I mean, it's absolutely mind blowing uh, what's happened. And just, yeah, it's fun. And then my friend, the guy that introduced us is the guy we, I go gambling with him all the time. And, and, uh, he's done a lot of great stuff too. And, and yeah, so it's, we got a team, there's basically three of us and, uh, and we have a blast and it's just, I mean, we're just cranking out content and yeah, we don't have any agenda other than to entertain. And, and then, I mean, I gamble anyway, every day. It's all I, all I do. So it's fun. And so I, I assume at this point it is a monetized channel. Oh yeah, we're crushing it now. It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, I, I always joke with my son. Like, oh, I want to be like Mr. Beast, man. And I mean, it's like it, it's 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 amazing. You know, they, I mean, it's 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 mind blowing to me how how uh, how lucrative it is. I kick myself for not starting one of these ten years ago, and I I mean, I'd be like a billionaire. It's it's crazy how lucrative these these uh, these things are. It's because you know what kind of to me it seems like in the old days. You know, when, like I'm 59 years old, so like you know been around a long time everyone you know the, everyone watched tv all the time and if you were a tv sitcom star or whatever you know then you're really famous and you walk around i mean nobody watches tv because who wants to watch commercials everybody watches youtube or tiktok or you know whatever instagram reels facebook reels and it's mind-blowing i mean my audience i can't go anywhere now without getting recognized and it's 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 crazy so it's become the new tv and you get paid like a TV star if you have a good TV channel or YouTube channel or, you know, whatever you want to call it, Twitch channel. It's, it's awesome. So yes, without any doubt, it's, it's, it's monetized. And again, not like by like selling a bunch of garbage, just, just the, the, the uh, platforms pay us. Yeah. And are, are you making more as, as time is passing? Like with each month, are you making more than the previous month? Like every day it goes up. It's, it's crazy because like, let's say you have like 500 videos on your, on your YouTube channel. And let's say someone sees a video, like, you know, we did one at Yamava a couple weeks ago where we did one spin of $5,000 on a red, white, and blue machine. And, and let's say someone sees that, you know, for some reason that gets fed up to them and they see it and they're like, wow, that guy's crazy. Then they'll go and they'll watch like sometimes people just binge watch and they'll go and they'll watch every video on your channel. And every single time they go back and watch that all the way back to your first video, you're getting paid on every view. Yeah, that's true. So the, the bigger your library gets, the more money you make. And not only that, but I know the way the YouTube algorithms work. I don't know much about TikTok, but I know with YouTube that once your channel starts to get big and a lot of people are watching it, then they start to recommend it a lot more. So it's one of these things where success will automatically start to bring more success as long as you keep putting out content and people keep watching it. So you're you're going to naturally grow that way just because when people are looking for slots channels, you're going to be higher and higher on the list of, oh, yeah, you must have. Uh, 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 I don't know, I'm in a casino, but I'm not moving, but it's all of a sudden you started breaking up. But yeah, I, I mean, I hope that's how the algorithm works. I mean, it, it, you know, it's just, it, I just can't say enough how fun it is and how cool it is and how much I enjoy all the fans, you know, it, it, I just walked in here and a bunch of guys walked up and like a couple of kids and their dad, and, yeah, we get a picture. We watch your channel every day. And I'm just like, this is so awesome. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah, that's good. And are, are you, so I guess, does your son get uh, the same sort of treatment or is it mainly just you? Cause you're the main face of the channel. 
I mean, he's starting to get his, you know, he's got his, his fans. But, I mean, I'm I'm on more than him. He, they, they all know his voice and my other buddy's voice, but they don't always see them. So I, I, I kind of get all the glory, but because I'm the one that's always on. Play these uh, high-stakes machines. I know you're not just going and firing totally randomly. I know you're doing it with, with some purpose where even if you lose, you can sometimes get some uh, benefit on, it, on the back end. But uh, in all of this slot play, ignoring what you're making from the channel, uh, have you won or lost? Lost. Yeah, and that's that's what lost I would figure. A lot. So then, my question is I mean, for not you. A lot, but... Yeah, but, but so my question is, is: are these losses? Are these kind of calculated losses where you you know since you've had the successful channel as a result of uh, of filming and broadcasting these losses that uh, that that basically it's okay to lose if, if the channel is continuing to grow and, and will make more than, than what you've lost there. Is that basically what's going on? I mean, I think so. I mean, it, that it just finally turned that corner. I mean, I, I wasn't making any money for like the longest time. I, that's why I don't think, I think a lot of people wouldn't, it's just like everything else that you ever could be successful at, which is I've done at several different careers. It's always the same. You got to be consistent. You got to work harder than everybody. You got to do it, you know, longer when most people would have quit. Blah 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 blah. But yeah, I mean, you know, let's say I lose. I really, I think I lose a lot less than most of the people. Like Lady Luck posted a video of her win loss statements from last year, and I think she said she lost like three hundred and fifty thousand or you know some pretty big amount. But you know, she's killing it on the and making much more than that. You know, she probably made north of a million i'd guess last year on her just her channels and stuff so yeah i mean at this point in time it doesn't really matter you know every video i make i'm gonna make a few thousand dollars from so uh i don't know this is whatever i guess it's not no secret so it's pretty obvious that that's that's how it works so it's very helpful it, i mean if i was just gambling like i see so many people that i see all the time in the casinos that don't have a channel i'm like dude you must be rich, you know. Yeah, I see that to too, and, and you know, a lot of them aren't. A lot of them end up uh, going broke thanks to that, and it's, it's pretty sad. So I know you're doing it with purpose, and I know also, as you said, you, that when you you're choosing things to play, that at least uh, will you know, give you some benefit, even from the casino on the back end, or uh, or something that at least is less negative expectation than many other machines. So I know you're doing it with some purpose there, but of course, uh, it's it's very hard to put out a lot of slot content where you're playing a positive expectation because you just don't get that many opportunities. So I, I figured you're, a lot of that probably is playing a negative expectation just to uh, make content for the channel. And since the channel's doing well, then that will uh, compensate for it. And that, that, I know that's a big challenge for a lot of these slot YouTubers is to be able to generate enough money from their channel to cover the slot losses. And I'm, I'm, glad, that, mm-hmm. I'm glad that your channel right. has turned that corner. Yeah, me too. It's been fun. I mean, like I say, we just there's there's thousands of people doing this, and and ours for some reason just really caught on, and we just rocketed to the top, and and I'm really grateful. It's super super fun, and yeah, I mean, if yeah, we definitely lose. I don't know. I mean, like in the, the last two months, because people say, God, you always lose, you know, blah blah. I think in the last two months, I've only lost net 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 like six thousand bucks. Oh. I guarantee I'm doing way better than most. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I've had I've had winning months, but I'd say in general, like I, if I and I, I, I don't think the win losses are really accurate. But if I had to guess, and someone put a gun to my head, I'd say I maybe last year lost like somewhere between fifty and a hundred grand, something like that. Hmm. Yeah, well, it sounds like a lot. But then if your channel's doing very well, then that that isn't uh, all that much. 
And if you play a whole lot, then it isn't all that much. So, yeah, it's it's interesting, the whole uh, YouTube slot world. There's a lot more to it than people realize there is. And I think what, what caught on with you is the authenticity, the willing to show losses. And I think quietly a lot of people have kind of gotten sick of all the gimmickry of other channels where everybody's just always trying to make it look like that everything's great all the time or trying to use it to promote certain casinos or sell things. And I think that people just wanted to see a guy just like really playing slots and, and, and showing how it goes and just uh, like getting a, the real feeling out of it. I think that's probably why you started to get the following. And that's what I heard from the person who discussed you with me two weeks ago, that that was his impression of, of your channel. And, uh, but yeah, yeah, so I so was just walked up and like, you have a YouTube channel. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it's, it's definitely, that's definitely, I think that's the case. And then what's happening is a lot of people are starting to copy me now. It's funny, I'll see videos, people doing the exact same thing I did. It was very complimentary. I, I appreciate it, and it's you know, flattering. And then we'll just continue to innovate, and uh, and I think I think we're going to crush it. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how long or whatever, knock on wood, hopefully it lasts a long time. And you know, casinos have been around forever. People love gambling, and pairs of people love to watch gambling. So my goal is to be continue to put out the best, you know, the best stuff there is. And we work really hard at it. I mean, like yesterday, I, I quote unquote worked like twelve hours. I was in the casino from noon to midnight. And and uh, every day that I'm in town, you know, we're out filming, and then we have to go. My son goes home at like ten, eleven, twelve at night, and edits till two, three in the morning. And it's like everything else. There, the only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary. And it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of effort, but it's a lot of fun. So, how many hours do you put in per week doing these things? Like ten days a month on average. Uh, I got different businesses all over the world and and stuff that I still kind of keep busy watching over those. And uh, but when I'm in town, I'd say average, you know, eight ten hours a day. Wow! So it is like a real job. Yeah, it's like it was like a real job. But I mean, what else am I going to do? You know, I love gambling, and I and I and I love. I, mean, I love the attention. I'm having so much fun. My kids are always joking with them. You're famous now. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> and uh, people come, can I take a picture? I'm like, yes, you just made my day. I freaking love this. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a kick, but so it doesn't really feel like work. Like I've always tried to like, ma- you know, make money doing things that don't seem like work. That's kind of been my motto my whole career. Yeah, I was going to ask you next if this was something that got uh, tedious at any point of just playing so many machines that's for so many hours. Like, was this something that you like really just don't feel like doing, but you feel you have to to get this on the channel, or is it just you enjoy doing it anyway and you're just putting it up there? I just enjoy doing it anyway. My son always gets mad at me. He's like, "Why in the hell?" I go, "Ah, I just I just lost a bunch of money last night at, at you know blah blah blah." And then he's like, "Why were you playing?" If you're not filming, you shouldn't play. That's <laughs> dumb. But I, I love it so much that, I mean, I'll go into the freaking, my wife will go into Vaughn's and she'll be walking around buying stuff and I'll be like, I'm going to play slots. I mean, I just, I, I enjoy it. I guess it's a total, like, dopamine rush, you know. It's like any other addiction probably. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, no, I, I knock I wouldn't have not gotten tired of it at all. I absolutely, I absolutely love it. I've, I've gambled my whole life since I was, like, 20, before I was 21 years old with a fake ID and I, I've you know been coming here for, for you know forever. How long has it been now? Forty years. Now, are you a are you a poker player at all? I play. I mean, I, I I'm not I'm not you know like our mutual friend or some of these guys that are like really 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 good. But I did be, I did win one tournament and uh, one one decent tournament. I won like thirty five thousand bucks. I mean, I'm a, I'm a social decent poker player, but not a not a like a super duper player. Okay. 
And, uh, we have a free roll coming up. We haven't scheduled it yet. I, I've already collected uh, the money for it, though. We have a free roll that's actually going to be a, a Vegas mat free roll, which I know some of it came from you. And uh, it's going to be... Well, that's uh, fun. Let's, yeah, let's, let's do that. And uh, maybe we'll do another one. Yeah, this is a uh, a free roll like we have uh, from one of our usual donors. But you know, people are always donating money here for our uh, poker free rolls during the show. And uh, I was suggested we have a Vegas Matt free roll. And you know, if if you were one of these uh, shady slot YouTubers, I'd say I don't care what money you're giving me. I'm not uh, I'm not running it. But uh, but I said no, definitely a Vegas Matt. I'll take it from. And uh, I, I I definitely want to give you a compliment for being able to have a successful YouTube channel at your age because I've thought of this myself. You know, I have this show. It's an audio show. It's an old school. Uh, you know, podcasts and, and live internet radio show and I've had a lot of people say why aren't you doing video why aren't you doing YouTube shows why aren't you doing uh, shows on Twitch and I say ah, people don't want to see me you know, I'm 51 years old it, it's just better if they listen to me I, I'm like, yeah. I, I feel like the video part doesn't bring much to this show aside from when I want to show something that would be better to see than listen to so I, I've, I've resisted going video at all and if I were younger, I might have had a different approach. So I know on YouTube, it's a pretty young world as far as creators go. And the successful creators are mostly younger people. And you mentioned uh, Lady Luck. Like that, If you're a young, attractive female, you have a huge leg up on uh, getting views mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. So when you're a, a 59-year-old yeah. guy, you, you've got a handicap right there as far as building a big channel. You've got to really put out quality content that people are going to want to watch because you've already got... Uh, the, the the age thing working against you that uh, uh, you're older than most of the people that are going to see on YouTube. So the fact that uh, at your age, which isn't very far from my age, you're able to establish a successful channel like this is uh, good to see. No, that, that that wasn't possible. No, like I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I definitely, I definitely am young at heart. Like I mean, I, I uh, you know, make the kids. I, I, I'm pretty young at heart. But you know what? I don't know. I, I think. Uh, you know, I'll wreck them all. I'm better. I, I don't care how old I am. I'm funnier. I'm smarter. I'm wittier. I, it's a. Uh, I have no no qualms about competing with kids. I have, I've had some fun with some of them. I had this guy uh, Bryce Hall, who's a really cool young influencer, and we went out gambling together and had a great old time. You know, it's like I'll party. I'll go to the clubs. Still, I don't care. Uh, I I feel like I'm still 21. Yeah, well, you made it work here, so that uh, that's that's great that you managed to build what you did here at, at this time of your life, especially in a platform where the average age is much younger than you. So anyway, uh, thank you for your time. Yeah, I'll let you get thanks. back to playing uh, at, at the win and uh, taking pictures of people, and we'll, I'll let you know when the free roll is coming. <laughs> it's it's going to be pretty soon here. In fact, uh, when, when I, I saw our, our mutual friend, he actually came up to me. I, he, he may be bad luck because I... I Busted the tournament like seconds after he came up to me. He came up, said hello, and then like seconds oh, later, no. I seconds later I busted four hands He's before the luck. end of the that day. That guy's amazing. I went on a cruise with him one time, and he won like twelve grand on the cruise. I mean, he's just he's a he's a legend in the gambling world and one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. So we got a good mutual friend, and uh, thanks to him for hooking us up, and uh, thanks for having me on. And hopefully, we can do another free roll sometime or talk again. Yeah, definitely. So if you want to find his channel, it's Vegas Matt, exactly as it sounds. Just type that in the YouTube search bar. You can watch it. Think of it. So thanks for coming on. Ocean or anything. This was, uh, and it's not because he gave some money for the free roll that uh, we, and I had an interesting person to have on here. I see he's enjoying people coming up to him. Like he loves the fame, you can tell. Back in the mid-2000s, I 
had my kind of peak of notoriety in poker because in the mid 2000s that was when i won my bracelet that's when people were paying attention to poker the most that's when there were the most people playing poker it's just when poker was biggest was kind of like oh five oh six around those days so it was a little bit strange living in vegas and i would be walking around and i'm not saying i was famous everywhere i'm just saying that strangers would know who i was and would ask how poker's going. I'd be at the supermarket and the checker would say, oh, hey, Todd, how's poker going? And it's just like some total random I've never met before. And it uh, it felt a little bit strange. Like, I guess there are parts I liked about it. It was kind of a cool novelty to have that happen in some ways. But at the on the other hand, I kind of felt like I was always being watched in some way by people that knew who I was and I didn't know they knew who I was. So it was kind of an uneasy feeling I got. And uh, when I became single and I was uh, meeting women in Vegas from uh, you know, various places online, I was not telling them who I was. I would say my name was Todd, and sometimes I'd say I play poker, but uh, sometimes I wouldn't even bring that up because I didn't want like gossip about me. So to me, I found it a little bit unnerving to have lost that level of privacy. And I've kind of gained it back because poker has shrunk and it's also gotten further and further away from when I won my bracelet and I don't play that many tournaments. So really the best way I'm known now is not being a World Series of Poker bracelet winner or someone who kills the games online like I did in those days. Uh, Now I'm known for this show and for the Poker Fraud Alert Forum. That's really what I'm known for now is being the, the Poker Fraud Alert guy. And not so much about uh, my poker play. Some people from back in the day remember me and talk about me as a limit hold'em player and and all that. But but really, those who know me now, it's it's from this site and this show, and that's not nearly as widely known as as I was in the mid two thousands. So it's a different story. So now I feel like uh, for the most part, I have that privacy back. But yeah, you know, some people enjoy it and some don't. I kind of had mixed feelings. Let's talk about some other World Series of Poker topics. I'm going to start with the situation with the colds that people keep getting at the World Series of Poker. Because it's very persistent, shall I say, both in symptoms and in how it's spreading. And if you've been at the World Series of Poker, there's a decent chance you're going to catch a cold. Most people that I have come into contact with in the past uh, three weeks or so, have gotten this cold if they've been out here for any length of time. So in 2022, if you remember, the big issue was COVID, because that was the first World Series where Omicron existed. The previous World Series was in the fall of 2021, and at that point, it was Delta. And Delta... It didn't spread as easily because, number one, it wasn't nearly as contagious as Omicron. And number two, the vaccines, as long as you took them fairly recently, were fairly good at uh, preventing you from getting symptomatic COVID. Omicron, which showed up at the end of 2021 and became very prominent in 2022, was different. On the bad side, it was far more contagious and it busted right through the vaccines. So there really was not and still isn't 
a vaccine which is especially effective at stopping the Omicron variant, which is still the variant that we are dealing with now. That was the bad news. The good news was that Omicron was much, much milder, especially on middle-aged people. So middle-aged people dying of COVID basically became a thing of the past. It became very, very uncommon, whereas with the original and Delta variants, there were a fair number of middle-aged people dying of it. That was scary to me, being that I am middle-aged. So that stopped. It also was killing a lot fewer people overall. So even though Omicron was and still is killing elderly people, it's killing them at a much, much lesser rate. So overall, Omicron is about 90% less deadly than Delta was. Delta was kind of the peak of deadliness of the major variants. And Omicron also uh, kills people who are under 65 at a much, much lesser rate, a much more than 90% uh, less deadly. So that's good, right? Omicron was a blessing. However, I wondered, coming into the 2022 World Series, is it going to just rip through that room? Because the World Series of Poker is a place where COVID will spread the easiest of anywhere or anything, because you have all the elements together. You have thousands of people together indoors for many, many hours for many weeks and they're close together and the room is not well ventilated. I mean, you cannot ask for a more perfect situation for COVID to spread. And indeed in June of 2022, that is what happened. So in the first two weeks of the world series, there were a ton of people who got COVID the BA2 variant or the BA4 variant or the BA5 variant. There were three variants going around in Nevada at that time. Most of it was BA2. I think that's probably what I got. There's no way to tell, but it hit a lot of people. Fortunately for me, it was very, very mild. It was so mild that I was sure it was a cold until I finally took a COVID test and I was shocked to see it was positive. So I stayed away from everybody until it was gone. But yes, I caught COVID last year, as you guys know, and a lot of people caught COVID. COVID just really, really hit a lot of people who came to the World Series, especially during the first two weeks of the series. By the way, I took a vaccine three weeks before coming, and it was completely useless. Maybe it held down the symptoms, but I have another theory, because I was taking a lot of vitamin D, and there's a belief that uh, if you take vitamin D supplements, that uh, it helps keep COVID symptoms mild. So maybe it was the vitamin D that did. In fact, I was overtaking vitamin D. I was taking twice what I thought I was taking. So maybe that was the difference for me. So coming back this year, I thought, well, I have to concede that this may happen again because Omicron is still here. It's a different variant now. It's a XBB uh, 1.5, but it is still an Omicron variant, and it's very, very contagious. In fact, even more contagious than last year. So I am afraid that uh, I'll be getting it again, and hopefully I will get it just as mild as I did last time if I do get it. That's the thinking I had coming in. I did not get a vaccine this time. I haven't had a vaccine in over a year. I'm not going to take another vaccine. I'm done with the vaccines, and I've talked about why I am done with them. It's not from any conspiracy theories or anything like that or fear of vaccines. It's just I, I just don't think it's worth it. 
at this point. So I did concede that catching COVID here was, and I'll admit still is a real possibility, but so far it hasn't happened unless I have it right now and just don't know it yet. But what did happen? I got a cold. I took a COVID test. It was negative, but I got a cold. And I started hearing about a lot of people catching colds who were at the World Series. And unfortunately, it's a fairly bad cold. Now, colds will show up differently in every person because it's your body reacting to the cold. And every cold is actually a different virus than the previous one you had. You'll never catch the same cold twice. And the uh, cold is actually a generic term for a group of viruses that all have relatively similar symptoms and similar risk factors. So the, the overall risk factor from a cold is very low. You know, you're not going to die of a cold and you're not going to typically get any kind of uh, lasting damage from a cold. It's more mostly just being uncomfortable or just not being able to do things and being low energy and, and uh, having a lot of congestion. You, you, you know what cold symptoms are like and you've probably experienced some very bad colds and some mild colds and some long lasting colds and some short colds and it's because these your body's reacting differently to each of these viruses and each person's body reacts differently i remember one of the worst colds i had of all time in the year 2000 my girlfriend at the time caught it from me and she got a very mild version of it and i got i had a horrible version so it really depends from person to person i've also gotten uh, the reverse where i've caught a cold from someone who had a very bad version and then mine was very mild. But I will say that this one seems to be more often affecting people to where uh, it is a worse than average cold. And everybody seems to be getting it differently in the way they describe it, but very few are saying, oh, it's pretty mild, no big deal. So the way I experienced it, it was, it was stubborn. So what happened was I was last in Vegas on uh, June 8th. And on June 9th, I was already starting to feel something wasn't right. I don't know if I caught this on June 8th or maybe June 7th, but on June 9th, I was already starting to feel like maybe I'm getting sick because I was getting like a mild sore throat. But I thought, okay, this could be other things. You know, sometimes I get a sore throat and I'm not actually sick. Sometimes it's from other factors, just from dryness or from being on this show too long, like a lot of times the show will give me a sore throat for about a day. I'm not even kidding. So this wasn't uh, right after radio, but I had done radio not that long beforehand. So I, I wasn't sure I was sick. And then that weekend, I still had the sore throat and I felt a little bit fatigued, but uh, for the most part, I didn't feel that sick. But on Monday... Monday the 12th, then it was for sure a cold. That's when all the congestion showed up, and I started having trouble sleeping, and I was coughing a whole lot. I was coughing so much from this cold. There was a lot of coughing here. And I also had a lot of it in my throat, where not only was I having a sore throat that was showing up every day, it would show up, it would then kind of go away throughout the day and then come back at night. So I had that every day. I had this persistent sore throat, a persistent cough, and then I had the nasal congestion too, and it just wasn't getting better. So it's the 12th, the 13th, the 14th, the 15th, the 16th, the 17th, the 18th, the 19th. I mean, it's just not getting better every single day. In fact, the, the worst day of it 
was Sunday the 18th. And I'm thinking, shit, I felt symptoms of this on the 9th. Nine days later, I'm feeling the worst symptoms? Like I had a real hard time sleeping on Sunday the 18th. I kept waking up with uh, like feeling I couldn't breathe because of, of congestion in my throat and in my nose. And, and my back was hurting. All these things were hurting as a result. Like I was getting like body aches from it. So I'm thinking, shit, when's this going to get better? And I had a seniors event coming up on the 21st. And I thought, well, I hope it gets better in time for that. Well, fortunately, on the 19th, I started to see a lot of improvement. And then by the 20th, it was completely gone. So it went from like peak to gone in two days. But it took a long time to go away. It took till the 20th to go away. And I first felt symptoms on the 9th. So it was an 11-day cold. And I spoke to somebody else today who caught a cold, not for me, but uh, also here in Vegas, who uh, they were on day seven. And I've spoken to a number of other people that are just experiencing a long-lasting cold here. And it seemed like it really spread around the World Series. And not even just the World Series. I know someone who actually caught it at uh, a casino where the World Series wasn't taking place. or Presumably that's where they caught it. And they have not been down to the World Series yet. So it seems to be just spreading around casinos as well, which would make sense because probably people at the World Series go to a lot of casinos that are not just the Horseshoe in Paris. So that's been the thing happening here. And colds spread more easily than COVID does, especially in poker, because COVID does not spread on surfaces. A lot of people still don't know that. A lot of people think, oh, I've got to sanitize everything. I've got to Bring hand sanitizer. I've got to wash my hands constantly. I've got to be careful what I touch. Well, that's good for other viruses. But for COVID, that's not going to help you. You're not going to get COVID from touching something with COVID on it. You're going to get COVID from breathing it in. So colds are different. Colds you can get both ways. You can get from the virus being in the air. And you can get it from ingesting food or drink that's been infected. And you can get it from touching surfaces that have been infected and then touching your eyes, nose, or mouth, which you do several times a day and don't even realize. So that's why colds are very, very hard to avoid. It's a lot harder to avoid getting a cold than it is getting COVID. So it really is pretty tough to avoid a cold. Now, I'm not a big lover of masking, as you guys know. And I don't wear a mask when I play poker. I find it very bothersome. And I think the people who are wearing masks playing poker to prevent COVID are wasting their time for the most part. And I basically take the position that uh, if you're going to go play poker, you're basically just taking the chance you're going to get COVID. And if you're a fanatic about not getting COVID, then don't play poker live or just, you know, just play online. But I will say, even though I'm not going to do it personally because I hate wearing masks, If you wear a mask while you play poker, it will help with not catching a cold. It's not 100%, but it will help. Because mainly, you are not going to be touching your mouth and your nose after touching something that is infected. Because the mask is going to be covering it. And when you're sitting there playing poker a long time, you do a lot of touching of your nose and mouth and don't realize it. So the mask prevents that. And the mask also helps somewhat with uh, anything getting in your mouth, droplets, or even uh, uh, when people cough or whatever it is, you you, you are protected somewhat, even with just a 
a cloth mask, you are protected somewhat from getting the cold virus in the air. So it's not 100%, but it, it helps you not get a cold much better than it helps you not get COVID. And same with flu, too. So masks are actually good at preventing cold and flu. They're not very effective with COVID. So if you see someone in a mask, uh, it may not be because of COVID. There are people who wear masks because of cold and flu. In fact, I, I know someone like this. I know someone who every time he plays poker, he wears a mask. And he concedes to me that he's not going to really protect himself from COVID by wearing that mask. He said, this isn't really helping me with COVID. I'm doing it because of the other viruses out there. And you know, to his credit, he, uh, he doesn't get sick very often when he plays. So maybe he's onto something there. So yeah, cold is uh, definitely going around the World Series. So if you're there, be aware of that. Now I'm going to talk about a weird thing going on at the World Series of Poker. This is a controversy I did not expect, at least not in this way. So I'm sure you've heard about the bathroom debate regarding transgender people. This goes back a number of years, probably at least seven years, maybe more. And the debate is something that it's not easy to really come up with an answer for everything that completely makes sense from all sides. So there's people who transition to the other gender, and then which bathroom do they use? And specifically, the concern is men who transition to being female, which bathroom should they use? Are former men who are now females okay to go into the ladies' room or not? And that has been a debate topic for a long time. Now, on the side of, yes, they should, it's said that, well, if they go into the men's room looking like this, that uh, they may have people who uh, discriminate against trans people and may commit acts of violence against them and that they feel unsafe, and that if they've really transitioned to become female, why shouldn't they be able to use the ladies' room like females who are born that way? So that's the argument on one side. The argument on the other side is that you're going to have men in the ladies' room and you're going to have these men who will either uh, sexualize the ladies in there or even attack them in some ways. And the whole reason you have the separated restrooms is to protect the women from men when they're doing something private like going to the bathroom and that uh, this violates women's spaces. And the second argument is that a lot of the, quote, trans people going in aren't even really trans people. It's just men who can just say they're trans and then they can go in. And it's very hard to come up with a way to allow actual transgender females, you know, former males who are now female, to be able to go into ladies' rooms without also allowing those who want to abuse it and just say they're trans. Like, like at what point do you say you can or you can't? And it's very tough. So this is really a tough situation to come up with a solution for. And I've thought about it myself, and it actually is hard for me to come up with a position that I'm comfortable with. I'm not comfortable with, yeah, let's just let uh, trans women go into the ladies' bathroom. And I'm also not comfortable with saying, well, a woman who is uh, a trans woman who uh, completely transitioned is still going to be stuck using the men's room forever. So, like... I think in a perfect situation, you'd have the actual 
trans women, the ones who really have put in all the effort and have taken all the time and have really transitioned to become an, an actual trans woman, that letting them in the bathroom would be okay and that everybody else know. So if you wake up today and say, you know what? I feel like a woman. I decided I'm trans now. You can't go in. You can't go in at that point. You, you'd have to go through a lot more before you could go in. That would actually be my decision. I don't know exactly the way it would be uh, set up, but that would be, I think, the perfect solution that's kind of a middle ground between all this. But because that's kind of hard to implement, I don't even know what that would look like. So I did wonder if at some point at the World Series, we might have some sort of trans-related issue. And we already had some of this earlier in the year. We've had some discussion about ladies' events and about trans women in ladies' events. And I'm not talking about that dude who played in Florida who wasn't trans at all. He just was the dude who entered a ladies' event. I'm talking about trans women in ladies' events and whether it should be allowed or not. I'm talking about in poker. And if it is allowed, what criteria is used to call someone a trans woman? Because clearly I, I shouldn't be able to just go down and say, hey, you know, I'm a trans woman. Let me play. Uh, I mean, I, I could play, but I'd have to pay 10 times the buy-in. But I mean, for the $1,000 buy-in, not to have to pay the 9000 penalty for being a man, I shouldn't be able to get out of that $9,000 penalty by saying, oh, you know, today I woke up and I feel like I'm a woman, so I'm trans, so let me in. But I thought eventually this is going to come up because a lot of people who claim to be trans do exactly that, where they put no effort to look or act or dress female, and they just say, oh, I'm trans. And I've seen the reverse. I've seen women who were born women, who still dress like they're female and still present female, and they say, oh, I'm, uh, I'm actually trans. I'm a trans man, or I'm, I'm non-binary. And it doesn't make sense to me. So I was wondering when this is going to happen with the World Series of Poker Ladies event. And there was already an issue at a circuit event where this came up. And basically, the answer from the World Series was, we'll know it when we see it. Like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> it was like... If if you have an issue, if you're a trans woman and want to play, then come to management and we'll say yes or no. Which I think is basically them saying that we don't want to say a hard no, we don't want to say a hard yes, we're going to kind of eyeball it and see if we think you're legit. And And so far, that's worked because the trans women who have come to them, the ones in poker, there aren't that many trans women in poker, but the ones that have come to them have been allowed to play at this, these circuit ladies' events. And uh, so, so far, this has managed to be a solution that hasn't had a lot of trouble. We'll see when this uh, next ladies' event happens this year, because the ladies' event hasn't taken place yet in 2023, but it's coming up very soon. We'll see what we have, because the official rule is that it's by what's on your ID. And if you're listed as male on your ID then you have to pay $10,000 to enter it. And if you are a female on your ID, then it's $1,000. And some states will not issue ID that says you're a different gender than what you were born. Some will, some won't. So it won't be controversial if there's a trans woman with female on the ID and is able to play in the ladies' event. Maybe some people will notice it and point it out, but it's not going to be very controversial. 
the controversy may come if someone who just doesn't have that on their ID for whatever reason, either because they can't get it or just haven't done it yet, and they still want to play and, and not get the $9,000 penalty, we'll see if that actually happens. So that'll be interesting when that comes up. But that's not what the segment's about. This segment is about the bathrooms. And I thought this might happen, too. I thought we might have issues with guys going into the ladies' room who would say, oh, I'm trans as an excuse, when it was really just they feel like going in to ogle the women like perverts, or maybe just because they want to use the bathroom with a shorter line. Because, as you know, poker is overwhelmingly male, so when it comes time for breaks in these tournaments, the men's room has a tremendously long line, and the women's room you can just walk right in, because some of these tournaments are as much as uh, 97% male. So... I was wondering if this might come up at the World Series, and it did kind of, but not in the way I expected. I have not heard a single story about any controversy involving any trans women in the bathrooms. I'm sure there have been trans women in the bathrooms here, but there's been no controversy about it. The controversy is about men in the bathrooms. And when I say men, I mean men who are born male, present male, are not trans And they're not in the ladies' room because they think they're female. They're just men in the ladies' room. (laughs) And I don't know why it's happening. It's very weird. And I don't know if it's intentional. I know in some of these cases it was, but it seems to be happening a number of times, and I haven't heard of it any other year. So I don't quite understand why these guys are doing it. Now, I have heard people say that sometimes they've walked into the ladies' room accidentally, because they have a short time on break, they're rushing, they're sometimes trying to text people in the meantime, you know, how many chips they have on break, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're quickly walking to the bathroom, they see a bathroom, they walk in, and they don't realize it's a ladies' room. So I could see that, but it didn't look like that was what was happening in any of these cases. It doesn't look like someone just did it on accident. Because what happens when a guy walks in a ladies' room by accident, and I've done it myself, when you walk in a ladies' room by accident and you see a woman in there, you say, oh, I'm sorry, I thought it was the man's room, and you quickly turn around and walk out. And, and I've seen the reverse happen. I've been in, in the bathroom, and I've seen the woman walk, in, and then she sees me or some other dude, and she's, oh, sorry, wrong room, and she walks out. So, you know, whatever it happens, that's not a big deal. But when someone intentionally goes in the wrong bathroom, that's kind of weird. And it seems to be happening over and over here. So this has been started to be shamed on social media. And I think when this is being shamed, you have to be careful that you're actually shaming someone who's intentionally to go in, going in there. But it looks like they probably are intentionally going in. So the first incident of this was put up on uh, Twitter by Melissa, the one who's on uh, Matt Berkey's show, Poo Dog Melissa, P-O-O-D-A-W-G-M-E-L-I-S-S-A on Twitter, Melissa Schubert. And she took a picture of the guy. And this is a guy looks like uh, in his 50s, wearing glasses, definitely not trans, no trans element in this at all. And she wrote, hey, at WSOP, what's the policy on men going into the ladies' room? This guy just stormed in and got mad at us when we told him to leave, saying anyone can use the bathroom these days. Just wondering. So, okay. Clearly, he knew where he was, and he didn't give a crap that the women objected. So this is not a guy accidentally walking in and then quickly getting caught on camera being in there. This is someone who just said, no, anyone can use any bathroom now, so this is where I'm going. 
if I had to guess, this wasn't him trying to be a pervert and stare at women. I think it was probably because it was on break and he didn't want to stand in the long line. He wanted to get back to play before the break was over. I'm thinking it was just that, which is not an excuse. He shouldn't be doing that. But his comment, anyone can use any bathroom these days, I don't think he really believes it. I think this was the excuse he's using. But at the same time, it does raise a point that it is kind of a slippery slope that if you start saying that people can go in the bathroom of whatever gender they feel they are, then you can have people abusing it, even if they're not abusing it for violent reasons or sexual reasons. Remember, this guy was not in there to attack women, to stare at women. He was in there to piss and wash his hands and leave. In fact, he was filmed washing his hands. So, I mean, this is a guy who was really just there to use the bathroom, presumably because the line was shorter and he wanted to get back to playing poker. Again, not defending it. He shouldn't have done it. But he took the position of, oh, well, since there's all these bathroom controversies, since there's other people who were born male like me using women's bathrooms, and in fact, there's people going in there who claim to be trans that have been trans for two days, so screw it. If men can walk into ladies' bathrooms, I will too. And he did it. And when people objected, he didn't care. They were unhappy about it. So again, he was wrong. He shouldn't have done it. But you're going to start seeing this more and more because this whole thing is not well-defined. And a lot of the reason it's well-defined is because the left is very afraid to define what trans really means. What makes you trans versus not trans. And the position I've taken, not just about bathroom matters, but about all trans matters, is that I respect trans people who really are trans, but not those who are just doing it for attention or who are not putting any effort into the whole thing and just taking on an identity because it feels cool or edgy. I'll show no respect to that. I'll I'll show no respect to the dude with the full beard who says he's female. If you think you're female, you're not going to have a beard. You shave it off. So anybody with a full beard and says they're female, I'm going to laugh at them. I mean, I'll laugh at their face, but I'm going to laugh behind their back. (laughs) I'm I'm not going to take them seriously as a woman. I'm sure you probably wouldn't either. Whereas someone who has severe gender dysphoria and can't be happy unless they transition to be female and they've had this situation their whole lives and as an adult, then they get on hormones and they get whatever surgeries and they try to look female and they live as female. I can respect that. So they're two very different things. So this is not a trans issue at all, but, uh, but it's kind of adjacent to the trans issues because this is starting to empower people to abuse the segregated bathroom situation. And when you try to push back and say, well, no, you're an asshole. You shouldn't be going and using the ladies' room. And he'll say, okay, well, then how come other men can do it? How come if I wake up and say, okay, I feel like a woman today, I can do it? Well, unfortunately, those who are supportive of that uh, don't really have a good answer. So we've had other incidents. It's not just this guy. A video was taken by a woman named Anna. She's on Twitter as Bonafide Anna, B-O-N-A-F-I-D-E-A-N-N-A. And she wrote, just a grown-ass man casually using the women's bathroom on break. So again, this was on break, presumably again, because the ladies' room line was shorter. And there's a picture of him with a security guard, a female security guard standing there right outside the stall he's using. Remember, there's no urinals because it's the ladies' room. Listen to this. 
It's him flashing. Now, you can't really understand it, but she's saying, like, sir, you can't be in the ladies' room. And he has on a shirt, which is very fitting for this whole thing. He's, it's like a fat, bald guy. Definitely not a trans person again. And his shirt says, I have selective hearing. I'm sorry that you weren't selected. <laughs> Looks like he also has selective vision. I'm sorry that uh, I didn't select to see that this is a ladies' room. That would have been a better shirt. But pretty fitting, though. I have selective hearing. I'm sorry you weren't selected. But then he's in the ladies' room. He may have been in the seniors' event. He's definitely old enough to play the seniors' event. And this was taken at 1.10 p.m. on June 23rd. Or that's when this was shown. So I guess that was not the break of the seniors' event. I know when the break was of the seniors. It was uh, around... 12. So this is probably a different event, even though he could have played the seniors event. But they got security in there, which is pretty fast. How long does it take to use the bathroom? But uh, someone must have run out and grabbed a security guard. Then in another incident, this one not recorded on video or still shot. This had no pictures or video at all. Ebony Kenny claimed another guy went into the women's restroom during a tournament break this time on the Paris side, he said he was told men could use the women's room. Seriously, stop. She wrote this on June 21st. Now, again, there's no proof of this, but she's probably telling the truth. I'm, I'm not the biggest Ebony Kenny fan, as you guys know, but uh, I believe she's telling the truth here. So what's going on here? Why are so many guys doing it? Now, do you believe that this guy was told he could use the ladies' room? No. If you believe that, you're pretty stupid. I don't believe it for a second. I think when he was caught that this was his excuse rather than I just feel like it. The first guy <laughs> just said, hey, you know, anyone can use any bathroom these days. I don't know what the second guy said. It was hard to understand in the short video that was posted by Anna. And in the Ebony Kenny thing, he said that men were told they can use it. I don't believe that for a second. But I think the reason this is happening is because people are on break. They see the men's room line, which is super long. And they say, hey, I remember in the news all these bathroom controversies. Yeah, you know, men use these all the time to say they're trans. I'm surprised not one of these guys has tried that line yet. That'll be harder for these women to answer. If the next one being caught in the bathroom just says, hey, actually, I may not look like it yet, but I'm trans. I'm a woman. I just haven't uh, gotten on hormones yet. And I haven't bought a new wardrobe yet. Or I'm just uh, I'm just choosing to still dress male, but I'm female. You know, why, why are clothes gendered? I hear that all the time. How can you say that this person isn't dressing female? How can, a clo- how can clothes have a gender? Well, because there's different styles that are associated with males and females. And yes, there's some clothes that uh, both genders wear. But you can generally look at most articles of clothing and, and say if they're uh, women's or men's. And the entire look that someone presents themselves uh, is usually uh, a masculine or feminine look to some degree. So when you're already the other gender in the first place, if you're switching, then the first thing you should be doing is switching the way you're dressing. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not serious about being uh, transgender. But none of these guys were using that line. But they were using the, hey, we can use whatever bathrooms we want line. Now, what what is interesting in this whole thing is if you take a look at the women who are 
complaining about this. Ebony Kenny being one of them, but several others in the comments who didn't post pictures of guys in the women's bathroom, but ones who commented on it. You have a lot of women who have been very supportive up till now of trans people in women's bathrooms. And I don't even just mean the ones that have fully transitioned and are clearly living every day as female and are doing all they can to live as female. I'm not talking about those trans women. I'm talking about where they just want blanket allowance of anyone who says they're trans to go in the bathroom of their choice of whatever gender they believe they are. So I've seen a number of these women who have taken up these type of causes or have associated with the side of the political aisle that does, like very left-wing women who seem to believe in every single left-wing talking point. These aren't even women who say, okay, well, I'm usually on the left on things, but you know, I'm, I'm against them on this one. No, these are women who are like every time backing whatever the left-wing narrative is of the day that they are speaking out against this. Now, do I think that they are correct to speak out against this? Actually, yes, they should speak out against this. Men should not be in the ladies' room. I would never intentionally go into the ladies' room. I don't care what the politics of the day are. I don't care what's technically allowed. I just wouldn't do it. But I'm seeing a lot of the women who have said, oh, yeah, you you should be able to go into the ladies' room of whatever gender you feel you are, now complaining about this. Well, if I'm sorry, but if you're going to be okay with men walking into the ladies' room just because they feel like a woman today, then you have to be okay with men like this going to the ladies' room because they want to save time on break. It's not much different. You can text me, 775-372-8355, from the 773, no hard-hitting questions fail. That's about uh, the Vegas Matt interview. Well, hard-hitting questions. He's not a controversial guy. I just wanted to kind of introduce the audience to him and... I'll ask the hard-hitting questions of people who are in controversy. Like if Martin Cabrell ever came on this show, I would have plenty for him. Vegas Matt, you know, I, I asked him a number of things about the monetizing of his channel and how, if he loses or wins and things like that. So I wouldn't say this is super hard-hitting, but this wasn't a total softball interview either. From the 507, your description of the seniors event reminds me a lot of the 1-2 live game I've played in at the casino. Yeah, I bet a lot of the people are probably over 50, too, at your 1-2 game. I just texted Eden Rocks. Oh, he said two minutes. Okay, good. So I'll kill time for two minutes. Well, all right, what I'll do actually for the two minutes here is I will give you a quick intro to Eden Rocks. It's kind of hard to explain who Eden Rocks is. Eden Rocks just appeared out of nowhere, and he was running a Twitter space and that is where people can just come on and talk to each other. And it was a Twitter space aimed at poker players. He called it the alternative space. And I went on one of his first spaces, maybe the first space. I don't even know how I found it because I wasn't following him. I had no idea who he was. And really none of us did. But I liked the idea of an alternative space because at the time the spaces were kind of circle jerks, where a lot of times prominent people in poker would run them, but they would only allow their friends to speak and they were very, very uh, controlling and biased of what they'd allow on there. It was kind of like just certain friends running a space where only their point of view gets out. And anyone who 
challenge them would get dropped or not allowed to speak in the first place. So Eden appeared, and I'm going to call him, he said I can call him. Eden appeared out of nowhere running what he called an alternative space. And I like the idea of that. I knew he was kind of an outsider, but I like the idea of kind of an outsider running it because this way he's kind of neutral and fair. And to his credit, he was. Is this Eden Rocks? Correct. All right. Very good. I've got you on here. You know, I've seen you walking around the horseshoe in Paris, but I, I just was never able to stop talking to you. I was like always go on the way, on the way somewhere when, whenever I walk by you. I know right now you're well, not going to you, be you there. You should have had talked to me in those properties when you had the chance. Yeah. Now that's, that's never going to happen. <laughs> it's your band. Are we live? Yeah, we're live. So, so I'll, I'll, uh, Okay. I'll get to the whole thing with you getting banned shortly. I just started telling people about you. But I was talking about your origins, which I'll, I'll ask you some questions about. I was giving my impression about like how I first found you and just that you were running this alternative space, which I thought was a good idea because I like the idea of someone kind of unknown and neutral running these things rather than someone biased who only lets their friends speak. So Yeah, so so to, so to Eden's credit, on these spaces, he was very fair as to who he would allow on and, and giving them time to speak. And... I did respect that a lot. And for that reason, I listened to his space more often than the other ones at the time. And in fact, some of them were run by people I didn't like very much. And his spaces started to grow more and more. So at the beginning, it was like him and and a a collection of some other pretty unknown people. And uh, and it had some listeners, but it it wasn't really big. And and there weren't that many uh, big names in poker involved, but it, it quickly grew to where not only did it have more and more listeners, but it also had more and more big names in poker showing up to get involved and speak on them. And yet it was Eden Spaces. So it was kind of funny that with Twitter Spaces just blowing up so fast in May of 2023, that the one who eventually was at the forefront of running them, the one who was called the host, the one who controls who comes on, who speaks, who can no right. longer speak and is brought back to being a listener, the one who's controlling the whole thing and starting the whole thing and moderating the whole thing is someone who is an outsider to the community. And I thought that was interesting. Right. But I, was, I wasn't against it, again, because I thought it was actually good because there's – uh, some power involved there where you're you're controlling who can and can't speak and because there's so much drama on on poker twitter i thought having a neutral person who also is willing to put the time into doing it because that's a that's a big time commitment because these are running like every day for a tremendous true. number of hours yeah, that that uh, someone willing to put in the the time to do it was uh, also a prerequisite and and eden was putting in the time so for all of this i respected it and if if it had just been this then eden would not be controversial at all but Eden is someone who uh, often will speak his mind. He's someone who will often uh, uh, come at people that, that he's not happy with or something they say or something they do. He, he would get in a lot of little beefs. Nothing that serious, it seemed, but just like he ended up feuding with a lot of people. And sometimes he would be drunk during these things and that would make it even worse. So he developed a number of enemies over time. And then there kind of was the question of who is this guy who... Where did he come from? Who is he? What's his background? Does he even play poker? So we're going to get to that on this show. We're going to ask him all about him. I'm, I'm just giving this little monologue at the beginning, kind of introducing who he is, because some of the listeners don't follow him on Twitter or follow anything on Twitter. But he's he's basically become very well known on Twitter for anyone who's on poker Twitter. You cannot be on poker Twitter and not yeah, know the, who he is by this point. That's right. I'm the king of late night poker Twitter. 
you are, and I mean controversial, and uh, <laughs> and I do this I'm show. The entertainment GTO guy, and I'm just saying, people on the you know, generally speaking, on poker on the entertainment side, generally speaking, people are boring. That's my premise, and that rubs people the wrong way. Well, besides all the stuff that Todd said, yeah. Well, I do very long shows. Uh, you know, this show I do. I used to do it once a week. Now it's about every once every two weeks. But it's it's usually about like seven eight hours, and people go, "Oh my god, it's such a long show." Well, Eden Spaces. Those go like 10 hours, and they're like every day. So, I mean, he puts a ton of time into this. And there's no way you can listen to all this unless you really have that much time, which I don't. So, I kind of listen on and off. But, Eden, for those of you who are wondering, um, now, I know your real name, but I'm not going to put it out there. Do, do you mind if I say your first name? What, what do you want as far as your name being used out here? Um, you can just call me Eden, I guess. Okay. Uh, not that I'm super protective of my name. Anybody that snoops around Twitter, if they really wanted to find out my name, they'd find it. But, you know, Eden rocks. Okay. So, so Eden here, he's 41 years old, and I had never heard of him in poker before, nor had anyone prior to May of 2023. That's he, not exactly true, but yeah, basically. Well, you, you may have been playing, but I'm saying like just about... Nobody had heard of who you were before this. And, and uh, now, here a month and a half later, now everybody on Poker Twitter knows you. So my first question to you here is, what made you even come up with this whole idea of, of running the Twitter spaces? What kind of pushed you to Poker Twitter when you really had not been part of Poker Twitter prior to this? Well, here's the thing. It's not entirely true that I, I had been sort of orbiting another uh, popular entertainer for some years. And, you know, participating in chats and things. And I produced cartoon music videos. And my play before that was to have them launched on a bigger platform and then to be known that way and then to get more gigs that way. Because I'm always adapting. Because my end game is to get my rock band financed, which means my rock offers. And so what you're looking at or what you're listening to, rather, is uh, a guy who believes that like, there's no greatest rock band in the world right now, right? So I want to take a shot to be the greatest rock band in the world, just me, myself, with the songs up in my head, right? As ridiculous as, you know, maybe a non-musician or non-artist, as that might sound to them. That's my premise. So what you're listening to and what they're looking at on Twitter is what does a guy with no bankroll, starting from scratch with no contacts, how does he eventually get somebody to finance his rock band? So that was my idea at that time. And I do have these um, cartoon music videos uh, for, for poker brands. And they slam. They're awesome. Joey Ingram released one when he made one of his comeback videos was about a year ago. And uh, Ben Andrew released a few. I produced uh, some for him. And he's a great guy. He's really nice. And then uh, Stapes. I did a theme song for Stapes. He was the first guy that actually hired me maybe about four years ago. And that song's hilarious. So that's so so it's not entirely true as I already said that nobody knew me but you know if only a few people knew me so then when I came across spaces first I saw Joey Ingram launch one and I didn't even know how to call in I didn't know you had to download the app that's the first time I ever downloaded the app I was just using Chrome so I did that called in it was a pretty funny call and then dankness you know Will Jaffe dankness he became kind of the uh, main guy that was running them. And one weekend he ran them three nights in a row and I would call in and he kind of gave me a, uh, a role as the quote unquote role, you know, he's a bit sideline reporter. 
And so I would call up and just say a bunch of nonsense or give a take and then hang up. And then I, and then he would just keep taking my calls throughout the night. And it was a real, you know, it was a reasonable hit. People liked it. And then what happened was in my mind, cause I didn't know anything about Will Dankins. Um, I just assumed that because people were really having a good time and there were hundreds of people listening that he would continue to do that. But then the Monday came around and there was no spaces. And then Tuesday came around and there was no spaces in poker. So I just decided to launch one and the rest is history. And then from there, you know, that first night was crazy. We became the space. It was me. And then I just uh, elected. There was a co-host because he's a figure in this too. On Dankins' spaces, he was letting this guy called Coco serve as a co-host. I had no idea who this guy was. Nobody did, except that he was, you know, he's a Southern twang. He was pretty slick. He had some pretty good quips as the co-host. So I installed him as my co-host, and then we we were up and running. And we were in the space the first night, then we did it the second night, had some competition, and then people were like, oh, it's just a fluke. You'll never be anything. And then I did marathon. Like, I fought. I fought. So really to answer your question, I filled it out, you know, quite a bit there, but to answer your question, I was just being an opportunist, but in the, in the best way. So where, so I pivoted on a dime. I want my rock operas financed (laughs) and I want to work in entertainment. So when this space is thing, when I saw a void or an exploit or however you want to say it, I jumped on it and I fought as hard as I could to, to maintain uh, for lack of a better term, control of this, of this little thing here, of this, of this space, the spaces, space, if you will, with the help of my co-host and the regular callers. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more to it, but basically nobody's been, been able to dethrone me and my co-host. <laughs> okay. Well, I see, I didn't know <laughs> some of that backstory. I, I just kind of found oh, you, oh, I kind of found you near the beginning just just running the alternative space, as you called it, and I joined it. I, I didn't know this backstory. That's interesting. That's the first time I learned of this. Now, I knew about you and these rock operas. So you've actually written full rock operas that just haven't been produced? Correct. Essentially, yes. I, I've got probably four of them, plus all kinds of extraneous songs. Yeah, I've got basically a 21-year back catalog of songs, yes. And Mostly in my head. How would you describe a rock opera to the audience for those that don't know? Okay. Yeah, that's a great question, actually. I think, you know, the, if you Google search it, you'll look at that. And if you watch, you know, movies with uh, stereotypical rockers, you know, you'll get an idea from that. But I, I think the whole thing can be done better. The rock opera meta. You think of, like, musical theater, Right. And that shit sucks. Musical theater, you know, hey, not to disparage the people that do like it, but, you know, it's just like, there's a reason why it's just this niche thing. And if I say, like, musical theater, I think most people would just kind of cringe. Which, again, is not to disparage the people that like that kind of... But the music sucks. And it's just all kind of... It's just, you know... But, you, but there's an element of that that's true. That, that works. So... So you take that format, showmanship, right? And you make it rock music. So you kind of, in other words, you just take a rock band, you know, you do a straight concert, but it's epic. You tell the audience you're telling a story. It's a rock opera. It's like an opera, 
but it's rock music. But at the same time, it's just a rock concert. It's straight rock music. But then they go in expecting, you know, something to be explained to them. Expecting the lyrics to just spell out the story that's being told. I see. So, so wait. Just, they discuss. So, so basically, what, yeah, what you're looking for is, uh, so for that, you, you want these to be produced and uh, you, you need some money behind it. And you're hoping that if you become a popular figure within the uh, poker community via these spaces, that uh, this would translate. But how are you expecting, since there really is not direct money in running Twitter spaces, it's not like YouTube where uh, the platform actually pays you if you get popular. How are you expecting that Twitter spaces would translate into funding? Well, that's an interesting. I didn't answer the the last question, actually. Uh, I don't think so. Let me just let me just cap that. Um, a rock opera is just sort of like it's just the greatest rock band in the world. They go, they buy the tickets, and they and they go, wow. Just the the like, what's the show about? Well, the show is about that we're the greatest rock band in the world. These ten songs are the greatest rock songs <laughs> that are new right now that one guy composed, and isn't that amazing? And that's the show. And the lyrics can be whatever. And it's just a rock opera. It's like you can replicate the Beatles experience back in the day. So that's what I want to do. And that is what I'm going to do. Rock opera. Now, how do I monetize it? Now, here's the interesting thing, Todd. Well, there's a lot of interesting things about this. I'm an artist. Um, how do I monetize it? You know, you create something that draws people. Like I use a lot of, for those that don't know, I use a lot of circus tent imagery a circus tent aesthetic. My avatar on Twitter is a guy with a top hat. It's like the ringmaster of the circus. And I've got a guitar strapped around, my, you know, I got a, I'm wearing a guitar and I got a scepter and I got the ace of spades up my sleeve and holding the three aces, you know? So you attract enough people to a show. And then what'll happen is the people with the biz, the business minded people will, will gravitate towards that. And then if they're sharp enough and they see this crazy, quote unquote, crazy artist guy, and people listening to him and they're being entertained, then it'll be up to them to figure out how to monetize. And sure enough, that's what's happening. Ta. Besides, I've been getting some donations, um, just straight up donations to an artist. That's it. And yeah, I've seen I've seen you gotten some they, donations. So people like I saw you got uh, some free hotel rooms, and people put you in some cer- tournaments and things like that. And you 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 got the, some monetary donations too. Is that pretty much what's happened so far? Correct. Yeah. So right now, that's that's been coming through. Now, I, you know, I've been struggling artists for a long time. I'm still doing that. But you see what I'm saying? Like, and 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 the most cynical people will say, "Oh, that's just some kind of a grift." Oh, he's an artist, right? Oh, well, he actually he's just running a scam. But I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense. I'm an artist. I do it for the love of the, my work, for my craft. So I'll, I'll leave it up to the business-minded people to figure out how to monetize. It. And that's already starting to go on. And, and, you know, which means while we're doing the spaces, which is like an old-time call-in show, really. While we're doing them, then we're going to set up a camera, and then we're on a different platform, and then we got a website and blah, whatever. I don't, I don't even know what it means, but we're... We're trying to piece that together now. Okay. Now, I'd like to know some about your background because, you know, since you're 41, obviously there's some history here to your life. So I did right. see from your Twitter profile, this is actually how I found your name, but I found a Twitter profile that uh, you right. did some acting work in the past. 
So were you an actor before? What, what was your life uh, in the like 20 years before right now? Yeah, exactly at the age of 20 is when I went out to L.A. So, so we'll start there just because that's what you, the time period you're asking me about. So I went out to L.A. with a couple of my friends. We were going to be a quote-unquote rock band. And I, actually, all three of us serendipitously got a job at a supermarket as scab workers. So, you know, I mean, I look, I was young. I needed a job. It paid well. If the listeners want to judge a 20-year-old Eden Rocks for doing something like that, you know, so be it. Um, but I took it. And so I made some good money right away, which was uh, beneficial. My friends didn't last a year. L.A. isn't for everybody. But I ended up staying. I started doing background acting work. And then I took a beginner acting class where I met an extremely influential person in my life, my friend, um, who would end up being my co-star in that movie that you saw the poster for, Todd, uh, Yelena. And then she introduced me to her commercial agent, which was a huge deal back in the day. So 23-year-old Eden Rocks with the long hair and, you know, at the peak of my physical form, you know, I, I looked good and all that. So I started doing commercial, going out for commercial auditions as the young rock star guy with the long hair. And pretty soon I booked one spot for MTV. Didn't pay that, that well, but that makes me look good for the agent. And then I booked two back-to-back national commercials for two different telephone companies back-to-back. So I was hot and uh, made some pretty good money from that. And then from there, along with different various background roles and, 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 you know, well, then I became union, so I was SAG and after and all that. And that means the when I did take a background role, it was better paying, and usually you had the opportunity to uh, get promoted or elevated for you know into like a, whatever. So doing all that, and that's when I got into poker from watching on TV. So then I actually, you know, look, I'm a DJ, and but back in the day, at the beginning, this is pre 2008 obviously pre black Friday, a young 25 year old eating rocks. Right. I went and bought the books. I bought Gus Hansen's book about the Aussie millions. Like it was, it was, it was an awesome time, man. I got to say, and I put a hundred into poker stars, lost it. But the next hundred I put in, I won a, um, a $184 thing. And then I won, uh, like an eight dollar one, with, like like I was off to the races. I crushed micro MTTs from the get go, so I was doing that, and then I was going to commerce, learning the cash games. And uh, there were times when I had runs when I was a, you know, technically a professional, but really I was never that good. But except I table selection, that was my best skill. It's always been that way. I know the players I want to play against. So I had runs, Todd, where I was living off of it for up to a year at a time. I was crushing online while I was crushing live at Commerce, the 3-5, which is three five two hundred dollars $200 game. You buy them for 40 bigs, which I know is a ridiculous freaking uh, <laughs> format. But I didn't know then, and I learned that game, and I was living off of it. So that culminated in the end of my 20s. At 29, we filmed the uh, – we, we, we shot the film where I had all those credits, as you saw, you know, co-starring, co- uh, co-writing, and I scored the soundtrack to a film called L.A. Superheroes. And that was really amazing. 
Um, but then I just kind of ran out of juice, which is too bad. I was running low on money and then I was, I was so close to booking another commercial and that's, I was counting on it, but I didn't get it. And that was just kind of deflated my whole thing. And I, I had to decompress at that point. So that's the decade I spent in LA. I see. And, uh, have you had kids at any point in your life? No, sir. No kids yet. Okay. Excuse well, me. I guess there's still time though. Do you want kids one day or no? Oh, hell no. I mean, before I would even think about getting kids, I would need a, uh, a compatible woman that I was married to. Yeah, well, obviously. I'm, I'm just saying that just theoretically in the future, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> theoretically, yeah, but I mean, I got other stuff I got to get in place first before before the right woman would appear that's even of childbearing age for my old ass. So well, you I, know what, though? I Listen, I, I, I don't know if this has happened for you yet, but it's possible due to your notoriety in poker and the Twitter spaces and everything, it's possible that uh, some women listening there could, could be interested here. I'm not saying I know of any, but it's possible. I, I could really see it happening, possibly. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Todd. Appreciate the support, buddy. But it's not a priority for me. I'm not, okay. I'm not sweating that. I get enough. You know, I, I'm fighting off hate mobs and, and getting banned from this, and, and I got enough on my plate. I'm not even worried about that. Yeah, but I appreciate we'll, the sentence. We'll get to that shortly. Now, you were part of some other community, that, some kind of gaming community that people found by looking you up on the internet, and I guess there were some controversies there. Uh, can you describe what this was about? It was, I think, for some sort of game and uh, something about uh, you were doing these shows with teenagers. What, what was all that about? Yeah, let me go. That's a long, long story. Let me gloss over it a bit. But basically, so I decompressed. I And look, doing a decade in L.A. when you're young, and you're a rock star and you're a bit out of line and you're wild and you're a poker player and you're living in Hollywood. I mean, it was wild, man. It was freaking wild. So I needed some time to decompress. You know, I mean, I, I could have been dead, to be honest. And you hear all these kind of Hollywood stories now. Or it's like the thing, like if I had it broken through, if I did break through, or like I might have been dead, you know, or if I got mixed up with the wrong people, I might have been dead or worse. So not to be overly dramatic, but I had to decompress. So about the time I was 35, I ended up back up. Uh, at that time, I was in Rhode Island. I'm from Rhode Island originally. And I was working odd jobs, right? So I do have a little bit of support system up in Rhode Island, working odd jobs. And, you know, I was familiar with this game called Super Smash Bros. I had the system. My, my brother and I played it a lot. It's a really well-designed game. It's a platform fighting game, which is more like a uh, platformer plus fighting you know, game associated with it or that features it, right? So as goofy as it sounds to some people, if you, think of, if you break it down strategically, you're a 35-year-old. You just turned 35. You're a 35-year-old eating rocks with all these chops and all this training and entertainment. Now you got friends that are, that are amazing and doing some stuff in films, but they're not ready yet. You can't go work for them yet. So you gotta, you gotta think of something. You know about this game, the smash bros thing. You don't know really social media, but you know, this is a community and you go, you know what? Watching all these things. It's like in the NFL. When you have the NFL, uh, the games, you, you got people in the commentary booth. Well, it's no different in esports, and it's no different in smash bros. They do commentary to these matches. So it's an entry-level entertainment industry, really. Entry-level, there's hardly any money in it, unless you're at the top. So that was my idea. 
And right from the word go, yeah, of course I stood out. Of course I stood. I looked different. I sounded different. I was polished. I didn't know, you know, they have a certain standard of how they think the commentary should go. And I was trying to match that. But eventually I would have did my own thing. But then what happened was there was a scandal that happened. And I'm going to gloss over this because I'll just give you the bullet points of the interesting stuff. What's going on over there is you've got people like as vicious as, as poker is, the poker social media community or the poker industry itself on the entertainment side, not just the players, not the games, but I mean the media associated with it, right? People can imagine how competitive it is. But then even in the poker Twitter streets, Todd, right? You brought that up before. Um, how crazy it is. It's been referred to as a zoo. And it's just competitive and people are just, people are out of their mind. Well, guess what? Over there with these young people, they're probably straight up way worse, more savage, more conniving. So they got their own ideas and they want to be stars. They got stars in their eyes. They want to rise to the top of esports. They're going to do anything. Well, unfortunately, I landed in this New England scene where there was a group, the resident group, that was controlling, you know, controlling the whole thing from the young person's perspective. They were like, they're sick. So I show up in the middle of that. And I start upstaging them. And like everybody's like, well, there's nothing like this guy. He's polished. He's old. What the hell's going on? So what they started doing was they started harassing me in the booth. It started with one kid. And when I say kid, I mean at the time, 19. But he looks like he's 12. He's got this little tip squeak voice. And he comes into the booth where I'm just this guy innocently just busting my ass, trying to deliver the hype to this freaking video game. You know what I mean? To build something. Doing it the right way. And this kid just starts saying stupid shit. He just starts deliberately bogging down the cast with nonsense and then I'm reading the chat and they're laughing at me and, and then I pretty quickly realized oh this kid's just trying to turn my, my commentary block into, into a shit job, into a troll job so I start getting pissed off How long was it that you left all the Smash Brothers stuff between then and when you started with the poker Twitter spaces in May? Well sorry buddy, sorry to get carried away it, it, is, it, it is a raw nerve I get heated up I did make a renaissance. It's just ultimate corruption over there. I made a renaissance. I became a folk hero. But when I realized I was sidelined, or I never would have had access to the, you know, they, they were just covering up this bullshit, which would have been a super clout boost. So when I realized that was never going to come to life, that's when I decided really to switch to poker. And that's when I started orbiting. So I would have been 36. So I spent about five years doing that from 36 and now I'm 41. And to bring us speed to the story I told before, right when there was a void in the spaces uh, a couple of months ago. So there you go. Okay, yeah, but when did you, like, leave there and then go to poker? Like, how much time was it in between the two? I left when I was 36. I left in June. Actually, I got an opportunity to go stay with somebody and play some more poker, um, which worked out at first, but then I lost all my money. And then I was just working odd jobs. But that's when I shifted my focus to poker Twitter when I started orbiting. And then maybe two years after that, 
Oh, I still I still dabbled in Smash social media a little bit. I had one event. I flew down to Florida. For, Florida was around where my my support base is now. But then about maybe when the time I was 38 was when I sent somebody my first cartoon music video advertisement idea. So it's been about two and a half years of that. And then up till uh, June or whatever, two months ago. So I'm still kind of confused, though. Like, so it seems like kind of you're going in and out of the Smash Bros. stuff. But uh, are, are you completely done with it now? Like, I'm, I'm like the impression I got is you you left there and then came to the poker Twitter Spaces, and I just wasn't sure how long there was in between of that happening. Well, I'm giving you the timeline. I left being active on the ground in Florida Smash June five years ago, and then but still was sort of active in my uh, social media dealings with them made a trip down to do one event, which is, you know, in Florida. And that was pretty cool. But the thing with smash now is when I return there, when I'm somebody and I have a production company and when I say, as the artist, I say my next show, my next thing I want to build is we're going to do a raucous event over in super smash bros land. And we're going to give away a bunch of money. And all my homies are going to go. And the theme of the show is going to be that corruption shit show. And I'm going to say names. And I'm going to I'm going to end somebody's career. But but where will the conquer that whole grid? But where will the money come from? Where's where's going to be all the money that gets given away? Well, Todd, I already tried to explain that to you. I'm an artist. The people will come. If people don't know how to. No, I understand I you, you, you want to go back to the Smash Bros and you want, you want to have some kind of big giveaway and, and show them that they shouldn't have pushed you out of there, but there would have to be someone or something funding it. So that, that's, that's my question. Well, yes. what, what would you expect would fund it? Yes. If you build it, they will come, Todd. We're having a miscommunication. When I say I'm the artist, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, okay, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who, who is they, you. though. Is it going to be people from poker? Like, who's going to be the they that are going to be backing this? Well, as the, the trajectory of this thing, yeah, I, obviously I built something in poker first. Okay. Or I built my show, which is poker-themed first. And then once we're at a certain level of notoriety, and ideally once I do some live music and blow everybody's minds in poker, and then, you know, then, then the money starts, you know, you build something, man, you know? And then once we get established to a certain level where I have enough in the bank, quote-unquote the bank, the coffers of the company to go over to smash, yeah. But, but I'm not, you know, I want to, blow out the poker first because this is where i'm at now okay it's all theoretical but you know if you no offense but if you can't accept that you're talking to an artist oh no no i know i'm talking to an artist here i I, fused no i i can i can accept that i just i'm just trying to figure out the plans but okay let's let's move now more into the present here there's been a number of beefs you've had in this uh month and a half or so that you've been doing these spaces including with some of the people that you've been hosting these Twitter spaces with like uh, at one time your co-host there Coco you and him had some beef and I know it's okay between you two because you do it together again but there was some beef with him there was some beef with uh, on and off I even saw one recently with this guy Snoop Dogg who who sometimes does them as as uh, a speaker on there then there was a uh, Poker Pro Eric who I think sometimes listens to this show I know he knows me I've I haven't met him in person but I know he's communicated with me on and off over the years. I don't really know him well, but uh, I know you and him had a real bad falling out, and uh, that still continues to this day. Correct. So, Correct. what 
what is causing so many of these things to happen, do you think? Why do you think so many people keep falling out with you that were once like with you? I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. And it'll be up to each particular listener to decide whether or not they believe me or whether or not they think I'm qualified to make this assessment. I say it's simple. People want control of the space. The space is space. So in this moving forward, when I say the space, let's just say, let's just refer to it as the space is space. It's a unique little platform, right? People want control of it. They want it to be all about them. They want to soak up as much limelight as they can. They want to be stars. They want to be rock stars. So what was going on was when Will Jaffe, who it, it was rightfully his to have, or he still could if he wanted to, right? But he's got other things to do. The, the man's got a family. So he just doesn't have the time because it requires a time commitment, right? Which he doesn't have. So then it's up for grabs. So that's where Coco and I came in and we did all the work. And so here's to start with, you'd have these people that would support. But what you realize is, what I realized is because I, look, I missed an important element. I'm professionally trained. I left that out. I have mentorship, world-class mentorship in the arts and entertainment, which I still enjoy to this day. Um, so I came prepared. That was true before I stepped foot in smash. And it was true before I stepped foot in poker, social media, but also now I got the social media chops from, because smash bros was my first rodeo. So I could work out a lot of the kinks over that. So that's what's going on. So that's how I can make such reads. So these people, they show up and they're like, Oh, they're friends, but then they just, they're not straight. And then you get this idea that they're trying to manipulate you or you get to say, they start saying sideways things. And what they really want is to muck you up, to trip you up because they want to be the guy. They want to be the leader of the circus tent. They really do. They want to push me out and then just take my car, take all my ideas, take my aesthetic, take the circus tent aesthetic, which I invented in this context. And they want to be the guy. They want to steal all the rock stars tech and then get all the praise in their own way in varying levels of competency and treachery. So one by one, once I determine that, and I, you know, I really pay close attention to these calls. I have the ability to do it and I'm day, on day four of sobriety, by the way. But even when I was exceedingly drunk, I still can sense, I see, I see through these people, I see through the snakes. And I'm pretty accurate, pretty accurate, not perfect, but we're talking 90 plus percentile accuracy, in my opinion. So once somebody says something squirrely to me, then I kind of, I give them some shit and then they don't like that. And then they push back and then I give them even more shit. But then soon enough, they're just a full frothing at the mouth, venomous freaking snake bite stuff. Now, do you think it's possible it's that, that some of this might be right. you being uh, uh, seeing things that aren't there or, or suspecting that people are conspiring against you when they may not be or when they just may have some criticism but actually are still overall supportive? Do you think you might be overreacting to some of this and then causing these beefs? There's some – if I make an overreaction to somebody that irritated me, 
then it all depends on their response. You know, like there was, there was a lady where I clapped back way too hard and, you know, then her, then she's just, for you know, for all her, she's not a perfect person, but she, you know, I could tell she's not, she's not suddenly lying. She might be dramatic and all this stuff, you know, but she's not lying. She's not suddenly trying to throw me under the bus for a clout grab. And that's an instance where I made a mistake. But when I, when I backhand somebody, so to speak, and then the next day they're over here lying, twisting my words, twisting their quote unquote relationship to make me look as worse, bad as possible. Lying, lying, lying. When that's a person that's the first time there is a uh, interruption with their agenda to just squeeze all the clout out of me that they can't. And when I catch on to it and I give them a backhand, then the very next day, they're instantly inserting themselves in the cancel Eden Rocks saga with their position like, oh, I'm this and blah, blah, blah. That's how I know I made the right call. Does that make sense, Todd? Yeah, it makes sense. I'm just, uh, you know, I've been part of poker for uh, over 22 years, and I've been part of some form of online social media dating back to, like, uh, the very beginning of that, too. So I was on the forums. I now run my okay. own forum and my own show. I, I've been on the right. Twitter. So I've been, I've been around, and I've, and I've been part of a lot of different controversies, including some this year. You've probably seen some. So I'm someone who also has haters. I'm someone who also has people right. who, who bash me. And so I can relate to some of this, but I also sometimes have to just ignore it and let it go. So that, you know, it depends. The way I've approached it is when people say something negative to me or about me, I always have to assess, like, is this worth responding to at all? If I respond to it, how hard do I come back at them? How persistent do I come back at them with? Because there's many times where I could have made something blow up a lot worse than it ended up doing because I, I would actually step back and, and not push back as hard as I could have. And uh, so I saw that happening with you somewhat with the people that you would beef with or you would have an issue with. And I sometimes thought just from my observations of it, that sometimes it, it got escalated way past to where it needed to be. And I'm, I'm wondering if you think that's possible. Uh, yeah, it's possible. But let me, let me counter that if you don't mind. And if you don't like this, I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question. Exactly. But I think it's appropriate. So let me learn the poker streets my own way. Because, you know, your brand is different than my brand. If you don't mind me referring to you as having a brand, uh, I think that's fair. Because um, we all do. If we're on socials, right? Let me figure it out my own way. And what I wanted to do, because it's very complicated, especially as I referenced before, the spaces are competitive. And people are coming at me from all different angles to try to trip me up. They could be, they could be trying to trip me up by, by uh, making a quote-unquote generous offer. That's a thing too, in order for them to just gain control that way as if I'm just going to, you know, you know, roll over, for example, I'm not accusing anybody of that, but it's just, it's all trickery. Afoot. So let me figure it out how I want to do it. And what I wanted to do was come out and show and put on a display of fearlessness and force and you know, made mistakes, sure, and the drink didn't help, sure, and it was sloppy, and it was freaking crazy. But also, everybody knows now I'm not taking shit, and I'm not just I'm not in it for the money. 
I'm not, I'm not just doing this just to take a freaking, the first person that throws money at me. I'm not, everybody knows that everybody should know. This might sound a bit dude at the risk of sounding a bit douchey. Everybody knows I'm a real rock star. And even if it doesn't make sense to everybody, uh, what it is, I believe in, I'm going to do what I believe. And you know, there's only, you have, at some point you have to, you do too much collateral damage and you have to pivot, which really is that point. But it's a particular strategy, Todd. And I preferred that strategy. Not that it's pure strategy. It's also, you know, I'm a human. But it's a particular strategy that I will defend. Because, you know, this isn't the end. Yeah, there's a lot of damage that was done. But also, they're using corruption and bullshit and dirty tricks against me. The people that are causing me problems. They're not coming at me straight. They're not even, they don't even want to have a conversation with me. The poker industry needs an influx of new characters. They need that, I say. Well, they don't need it. They can be fine with the way things are, but if they want actual growth, and if they want any chance about branching out into the mainstream, they got to do something a little different. And Eden Rocks, the intergalactic rock star, the entertainment GTO guy, the cartoon music video guy, the guy inventing the meta in real time, the rock opera freaking Kurt Cobain meets Vince McMahon guy. That'd be the ultimate poker character, especially when the music gets involved. And so when you're making that claim, you got to come in hot and you got to display your fearlessness and you got to swing up to a point. And so now, now I'd start ignoring these people. But every time I did Todd, these people would come back and the hate mob would straight up hate mobs, spaces, other spaces where I was the topic of conversation all day. People spewing venom and lying about me all day, obsessively talking about me all day. That's tough to ignore. <laughs> totally. Right, Todd? Well, no, I can and understand that. You know, I, I've, as I said, I've had people, uh, including not too long ago, hating on me, and you know, it doesn't feel good. And you, you want to say something back, and it can be very tough to just sit there and say nothing or say very little. And I, you know, watching what was going on with you, like I, both the spaces that were about controversy were involved in, and also just regular spaces where you were just hosting one and then people would get, get irritated because you would seemingly be promoting yourself or, or bragging about yourself or talking about yourself when it wasn't the right. topic at hand. And uh, so at, at first when I was hearing this going on, my impression was, okay, he seems to be doing a good job with like being kind of the neutral outsider running these spaces and getting a lot of people over here and getting a lot of big names and poker on these spaces that people want to listen to. And I, I thought that was good. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy, be, might, he might be messing this up by talking about himself too much when people aren't really here for him specifically, they're here for the space he's running. Then I started to understand a little bit more that what might be happening here is that all of this might be also kind of, they might have a dual purpose to not only just run these, but it's also kind of promote yourself at the same time and actually intentionally make yourself a big character in this whole thing and then get people yeah. talking about you. So I will say that a lot more people are aware of who you are and talk about you given the way everything went down 
as opposed to if you just ran the spaces every day and just were kind of just the quiet moderator who kept everything running smoothly, then there would be no controversy and you'd just be known as this guy who's investing a lot of time running spaces. And I think you'd still be getting some free things and everything and, and people donating, people giving you hotel rooms, just to, like out of appreciation for running the spaces. And, you know, I've had people do favors for me, including very recently, because they enjoy this show I do here. Or they've enjoyed other things I've done, and right. and so so I I know that, and 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 you know, and I I don't even need the money for these things. It's not even like I, I otherwise I can't do it. It's just that people do this out of appreciation, and 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 if right. that's what they want to do, I accept it. But what I'm what I'm saying here is that I did think, well, maybe there is a method to his madness here. That there's some controversy intentionally built in, so this way more and more people notice you there and talk about you and and I can see how that is working however and you know of course they always say any publicity is good publicity however there does come to be a point where the negative can overwhelm the positive as far as the impression people have and then that can get in the way of of whatever you want to do like just for example if uh, someone who liked the spaces and everything going on would want to fund one of these rock operas but then would to be talked out of it by people who don't like you. So that's that's the type of thing that can work against you. So is it true that some of this controversy has been kind of uh, intentionally baked into the cake here? No, except because my preparation is so thorough. It's like a poker hand with your ski, with your different trees, right? When you go to the charts of the GTL, right? So I know when I clap when when some established poker personality shits on me in public on a tweet or in the space, right? I know that when I respond forcefully, it's going to be controversial. So in that sense, yes, but I'm defending myself. And I know that people are screwing around with me and setting fires on purpose. So when I call them out and defend myself, I know that will be or cause controversy. I know that, but I'm on record saying, You know, sometimes I've made mistakes in terms of excessive force or I've made bad reads and maybe roasted somebody that didn't deserve it only a few times. But besides that, I've just been defending myself. But yes, I did explain this to my show. There's two points in which I think will answer your your line of inquiry here and tell you what you want to know. I do. I am of the opinion that had I just because because, you know, I have a skill (laughs) set. I write rock operas. I could speak in front of 20 million people on stage with my band and orchestra and captivate them. That's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to just moderate poker talks and debates with established, you know, world-class professionals at that. I could do that. And that's what they were kind of hoping I would do. Some of them. Right. So it's just like that requires some skill, but, but that's not me. And and that's just kind of, I don't think that would have led to great success. It, it might have led for me to be a, have a spot somewhere as, as some kind of a journalist, but I think that's disingenuous for me. And, and I didn't accrue a following with my co-host Coco just to be the poker news with a rock star veneer, you know, nothing against the poker news or any kind of like that. I like them, but that's not me. And it just would have been disingenuous. It would have been a bit phony. So I, I, I just would have stalled the potential growth of this thing. And the second point, it's like, I don't know how familiar you are with Hunter S. Thompson or your listeners are. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure, we, I'm sure we all know who that is. Yeah, yeah. We, we have an older listener base. So I'm sure everybody is. Okay. 
So I'm not even saying I'm the greatest fan of his actual work. Like, as in, I don't really consume it. And, you know, the, this might sound ignorant, but, you know, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is not a movie I would like to watch again. I don't even like it. However, I'm, I've I'm learned about his, his work, his body work, to the point where he, you know, I said the term gonzo journalism. So he inserted himself into the reporting. And that's part of this thing. I'm inserting myself. I'm inserting Eden Rocks into this thing. Because I can do it. Because my premise is that poker could use some new freaking characters. Like, look at the, the, the caliber of new characters. I'm not going to say any names. That's a thing I never do. Unless somebody talks shit about me, et cetera. Then I say names. But look at it, you know, is there depth? What is their origin? What are, what are their goals and desires and dreams? Like, and what you see is like, okay, this guy talks a lot of shit. He gets drunk and he wants to take your money and he acts like an asshole. And people talk about him and he's a smart guy. And the poker, watching the poker is entertaining from a poker perspective. But that's not a deep or interesting character. It's, it's surface level because these people in poker are not versed in entertainment. They're not writers. They're, like, they're, they're not guys like me that have 21 years under their belt in the, in the entertainment lab, quote unquote, with world-class mentorship in this thing. Now compare that to my character. Okay. Partly raised by literal treasure hunters. Because my mom married into a family of treasure hunters. It broke my heart when I was a little kid. That's all true. So partly raised by literal treasure hunters. So pop culture of royalty from a young age, raised by that, exposed to that. Okay? At 20, went out to LA, did that whole thing. Was booking national commercials. That's how I got into poker. Went on a wild ride. Ended up being a movie star. Okay? Got some world-class mentorship, which I have to this day. Went on. Now I got a plan. Now I got a plan. Now I got a, like 20 years of rock operas. I do cartoon music videos. I want to promote poker brands with the lyrics. is like all about you guys. I'm the greatest entertainer in the world. I have no life except, except my work. I'm a struggling artist. And I want to take poker mainstream with my game show slash hybrid late night talk show slash poker game. Talk show, game show, poker show, which I say will be number one in the entire world. That's... A character, Todd. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I guess we will see right? what develops from this. So uh, let me get over to the talk about the Caesars ban, because you are presently banned from all Caesars properties. And in fact, uh, it's the strangest ban I've seen in quite a while. And in fact, the only one of this type where you got banned with with the trespass warning meaning you were actually kicked off the property and and told you can't come back or you'll be arrested but when this ban came down you were told you could actually stay and hang out for the moment because you were also in the middle of a poker tournament so you were put into a uh, tag team event and the tag team event is where two people are on the same team in this event it's a world series of poker event and they can switch off during the event, and uh, one can play almost the whole time, so it doesn't have to be equal. But right. uh, someone else uh, bought it in. Uh, what's the name of the other uh, person who was playing? Jeff something? Jeff Stellwagen, the swag wagon, Jeff Stellwagen. Yeah, okay. So 
So this Jeff Stellwagen, uh, he, he bought it in, and then uh, you were the tag team partner. And uh, sometime during this tag team event, you received some contact with security. Now, I'm going to ask you, I saw the video of, of security talking to you, like just two people from security. And I'm going to ask you first, did they just randomly just come up to you, or was there anything going on that could have attracted them over to you? No, they just came up because they were on the lookout for me. Yeah, so it appears it must be must be so. So they there's been a lot of mystery as to why Eden was trespassed, and the very unusual thing here is that, as I said, he was told he could stay there until the the, the day's event was over. I think he probably could have come back to day two because they made day two. He he didn't actually uh, do it. He just let let uh, Jeff play, but. I, I believe the reason that they probably let him finish this off is otherwise it can become a Nevada gaming issue because there's money at stake since uh, he paid money to enter the tournament and they accepted the money as him being one of the contestants and then to take him out in the middle of it when he hasn't broken any rules of the tournament itself and when he was eligible to enter at the time, that would be a hard one for them to explain to gaming why they would kick him out. So. Um, that is probably why they made the decision to do it that way. And I know others who are familiar with the casino industry also agree because I, I know the casino industry really well. So I think, I think that's the reason it was done in that bizarre fashion, because I know when people get banned from casinos, well, I've been banned from casinos before. I know when it happens, they just kick you right at the moment. They don't just say, well, you can stay till this is over and then you're gone. Yeah. It, it never works. At, at best, they'll let you just that go. doesn't make any sense. At, at best, they'll let you go get the friends you're with or go get your stuff. Like They'll do that sometimes, but they will not say, well, finish off what you're doing in our casino. And then after that, never come back or we're going to arrest you. I've never seen that before. But I think it's because it happened to be during a poker tournament where you were banned for something that was not related to the poker tournament. So I think that's probably what it was. But the thing is here, it seems that there was no official reason given to you as to why you were banned. Is that correct? Not officially, no, and I don't expect anything in writing. Uh, the only thing that, I mean, here's the thing, man. Here's the order of events that happened. Um, cash game, and this is, I was on the space, I was being eccentric. There happened to be a gentleman to my right who wanted to talk, you know, bigger guy. And then I explained the spaces, but then he just, he got angry at me for my eccentric hand motions. And he kept accusing me of putting my, my hands in his face, which was nowhere close to his face. So the second time he did it, but he's being an asshole about it, you know, which, okay. I may have been annoying him, but not intentionally. And I'm running a talk shop. Okay. Which is the new wrinkle in all this. So the second time he does it, so get your hands in with, he's being an asshole. So I sit there and then I wave my hand around where my hand actually was. And I'm, and I'm really, I'm rubbing it in his face. I mean, not my hand, but the stupid premise. And I'm waving my hand around. I'm like, oh, is this in your face? Is this in your face? There's nowhere close to your face, right? So what the fuck are you talking about? Excuse my language. But, but you know, this is the kind of stuff, because I don't tolerate bullshit from these people. So just your garden variety of freaking people jawing at each other at a poker game. The next time he does it, he actually puts his hands on me, pushes me a little bit. So if anybody should be there, it should be that good. But I'm not, I'm not going to make a steam. You know what I mean? But he actually puts his hands on me. This, this kind of shit happens to me all the time. Because they can't stand me. These alpha guys, they can't stand me, especially when I start drawing out of back. So then, um, 
then I get up and I want to take a picture of my chip stack. And this fucking guy springs out of his chair, raises his voice in, in this outrage as if I'm taking a picture of him. I was just getting set up to take a picture of the chip stack. So this guy escalated the whole thing. This guy made a scene. This guy put his hands on me. Now, where was this? Making me look like the where, where did this take place? This was at the Paris room. At the Paris, the Paris, uh, ca- ca- was the Paris cash game. The cash game, three. okay. This guy set me up. He was a fucking asshole. And, but because I'm me, because I'm fucking rock star, then, the, then they asked me to leave. And then, then that's the story. Oh, he was out of line. He got escorted. What about the fucking guy in me and escalating the fucking thing needlessly? What about that? Nobody gives a shit about that. Well, did, so but they did they, when, when they banned you, did they mention that incident as the no. reason or one of the reasons, or they just didn't? No, they didn't say shit. They didn't say, the guys that talked to me said, we don't know, it's over their head. A guy today, the only thing I was told by a guy today after I took up the cash, when they came to find me, because they were all up in my ass. The only thing that guy said, I was trespassed for causing a disturbance. That's it. That's it. They don't have a fucking reason, Todd. That was just the first thing. Oh, a pre, uh, another thing is like I was trying to run a spaces from the final table, but my voice was loud. They gave me, they said, can you turn it down? And I thought I'd try to turn it down, but then, then it was just penetrating too much. They asked me to leave, so I left. But it was peaceful. There was no incident besides I was just talking a little bit too loud when I was trying not to. That's it. Because that's twice from their perspective. And the third time is when I railed Martin Cabral. But that was a stunt. But I was just making clean jokes. But see, this is the, now you see a pattern. They're just not having this. They're not having somebody who's entertaining, who stands out. They're not even uh, speaking to me. You know, the Poker Go people, people are speculating, was it the Poker Go people that are annoyed or whatever? That thing was clean comedy with the Cabrel rail. He was loving it. The people on the rail were loving it. Now, what, were you, what were you doing there at the maybe, Cabral maybe thing? The I, I didn't, quite, I didn't quite understand the Cabral thing. So at the Martin Cabral final table, what, what were you doing from the rail exactly? I was just kind of railing. I was just like pre- presenting myself as if I was his biggest fan as a troll. And I would say things specifically like, yeah, talk to him. Martin. Keep talking to him. Talk to him. Yeah, do that. Do the speech, speech, speech. You know, so, and he was loving it. The first comment I made, he turns around and he says, hey. Finally, it's been three days, but I got my first fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he loved it for knowing his personality. But uh, well, yeah. So, 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 so you were you were kind of yelling out to him. Thing. So you were kind of yelling out to him at the final table, uh, and and he was. You're saying he wasn't annoyed, but uh, but someone must have been, and they asked you to leave there. Yes. Okay, yeah. and, and then you had. To, you're sure that the there were only two other contacts with security where there were any kind of incidents uh, during this uh, trip here? You're saying there's been three total security incidents. I just described every single time. Okay, well, that was three of them. So someone said something about there being five, so maybe they were exaggerating. No, it's three. And then other times, yeah, maybe they've made, there may have been reports where I was heated walking through the casino yelling at somebody who's trolling me on my show. Okay. There could have been something like that, but nobody approached me about those. Yeah, see... I, yeah, everybody, as you said, every, no, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but everybody on Poker Twitter, as you said, knows about me. So everybody on Poker Go knows about me. Or maybe the, 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 the office-type people, the security-type people don't know. But every, you know, Poker Go, freaking whatever, all the personalities over there, yeah, they know. They know it's the Spaces guy, right? The big players know, better on Twitter, know it's the Spaces guy. 
Yeah, I think here's my opinion about this here. There's been some people speculating that maybe someone influential who doesn't like Eden pulled some strings with the World Series to get him banned and that whoever they were complaining to was willing to do it because he already had some incidents with security. So it, it couldn't even be said, yeah. like, like how does this guy get banned? He's done nothing. So, and, and that's possible. I'm not saying it happened. I'm not saying it didn't because I have no idea. But uh, I do think it's a problem if there was this case where someone who just doesn't like you had you removed because yeah. you're not you're not accused of any cheating you're not accused of any no. any kind of violence you're not accused of any scamming so i think to have someone banned who's not accused of any of these things and at worst is seen as just being obnoxious i think that uh to have them just kind of outright banned out of nowhere when it's not precipitated by a particular incident uh, that that I don't think yeah, is, and is I would, good. And I, I would say I'm not even being obnoxious. I mean, I was being distracting to people with no sense of humor, or you know, that's their right to you know, if they want to focus on whatever. But I, I didn't break any rules, Todd. When I'm on the rail, yeah. Well, so I was some just people jokes. Some people are concerned that well, okay, what if uh, when's this going to happen next? When is who's the next person that's going to get banned from Caesar's properties because? Uh, there's certain influential people in poker who don't like them. So there's some concern from people that uh, hopefully this isn't the start of this sort of trend. However, it's also possible that this wasn't related to anybody at the World Series and that it was just kind of Paris or Horseshoe Security just kind of getting tired of a number of incidents in a short time. And then just someone said, you know what, we're tired of seeing this guy He's just been a pain in our ass recently. Let's just get rid of him. And he doesn't seem to play very much. Like if you were going there and losing a million dollars in the pits, they'd tolerate it. But but given that you're not, uh, they probably thought, okay, well, there's not much upside in having him around. We're, we're tired of him being a bit pain in the ass and we're removing him. So it's possible it was just something as simple as that. Uh, without more information, it's, it's hard to know that. But as, as I was saying on, on the space that I did, uh, I think it was last night, or the night before, uh, discussing your ban. I, I do think there's a way out of this. I do think that uh, contacting them with a letter it won't be instantaneous, but if if you would be willing, I know you were saying in the space you don't want to kiss ass to anybody any letter, and if you don't want to do that, then you're you're not going to get back in. But if, if you do want to get back in, which I would think if you want to be part of the whole poker space, then being banned from all Caesars properties is, is uh, going to be a big hindrance. So I, I would suggest possibly doing that but i think you do have a way to possibly get back in where others who are banned for reasons that bother the casino a lot more such as advantage play or things like that uh, uh, i i think you have yeah. a chance to get back there so i I, th I think you know as far as all the information i know unless there's something i don't know here i think the ban right. was was a, a definitely overdoing it on caesar's part but yeah uh, of course it was of course you slap me with a week or, or a whole summer. Like, I get the message. And you know what? I'm not, I haven't uh, accused any influential player of doing it or influencing it. No, I, I know you haven't. I know others have, but uh, I know you haven't done it. Yeah, th there's a lot of shatter. And, and I like your second your second, uh, the second thing you said. It's probably more closer to the truth. But, you know, that's still excessive. And, if, and if these people would understand that, you know, I mean, there's got to be something. And I don't go and I don't. I don't interact with anybody else in these in these properties. I just go in the poker area. So if, if these people can be made to understand that, you know, uh, 
And even the 30 minutes I played in that event, you had a world-famous, world-class player who identified me, enjoyed me, or enjoyed my work, I should say, took a picture of me, where then I, when I found that out, you know, and then he starts videoing me in a hand he played against me, and then people were really enjoying it. And then somebody comes up and I'm signing the shoes and people are recognizing me. So the whole thing was working. The whole thing was working like magic. And then boom, I'm just 86. It's just fucking fucked up. dude. Yeah. We could be made to understand that, that I could actually elevate their guests in terms of the poker players, guests experience in a huge way. I could sit down and talk to them and explain the whole thing and explain why I was on the phone, explain why I was running the spaces then yeah, that's what I would much prefer that instead of being like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." Come on, guys, permanent ban a joke. Well, you just got to speak the casino's language, though. And that's that's what I was saying before, and also even just not getting banned in the first place. Sometimes you got to know when to kind of back away, uh, otherwise uh, they may remove you. And like I heard that there was a rec- recording someone made of your spaces when someone called security on you in the Bellagio room you were staying in that claimed you were making a disturbance or being too loud. And I think there's a good chance someone did this just to mess with you and it wasn't anyone was really disturbed. But I heard the yeah. the space of you talking to security. Now, it was funny. In fact, I'm going to play the clip of it after you hang up and go back to your space tonight. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to play the clip to people so that they can hear it. It was funny. I found it very entertaining. I laughed out loud several times. But um, I, I, did thi- I, I did think as I was listening to it, whoa, this guy is really pushing it. I could totally see him you know, getting banned for this, for the way he's talking to the security people. So while it was kind of entertaining for the Spaces listener, uh, I, I thought to myself the whole time, this is really flirting with a ban here when you give them a hard time back. Because in, in all my times I've ever dealt with any kind of authority figure in the casino industry, I, I've, I've tried to de-escalate anything and it hasn't happened very often because I, I don't create disruptions really but but when i have been in any kind of situation where i'm talking with uh some sort of figure who could ban me if i if i was to be too much of a dick you know i i have that in the back of my mind when i'm dealing with them and i try not to get the whole thing escalated so well, I, I i know I, I was drunk i was i you know you can consider that as a kind of an experimental bow rat caliber kind of performance art yeah, well, and, and they they just irked me. I didn't like. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I was in comedy show mode. I, I'm I just uh, yeah. in my right mind, but my comedy instincts kicked in. They were looking at me twisted, or whatever they did. And then the one guy said something stupid, and I roasted him for it. And there you go. Well, I'm just saying here that uh, it, while it can be entertaining, you do have to watch out when you're dealing with the casinos of uh, not saying things or doing things to, to get yourself removed or get yourself on their shit list. Or, I, and, I, and, I and then to get back, and then to get back I, I in, you've, you've, you've got to kiss anymore. ass. I've heard, I've heard okay. about it. Now. Okay. I'm, well, I'm, I, just, I'm, I apologize for interrupting. You. I that, that's fine. Okay. That. So I know you need to get back to your show. I'm going to play people the clip of you at the Bellagio after, after you take off, but uh, thanks for coming on <laughs> here. I know you took some time out. I know there's some big thing happening. What, what is going on over there? Someone told me to go listen, but I can't right now. What, what is going on over there? That's so controversial. Well, while I was here, um, Poker Pro Eric, the person who is obsessively targeting me and sabotaging me, just DMing me, you know, DMing people 7,000 times every day trying to smear me and talk bad about me. He showed up 
and everybody's there. There's almost 400 people in the space now, I'm being told, and Daniel Legrand is there. But because I was the topic of the conversation, I need to go back there. No, no, fine. Go ahead. I, I don't want to get in the way. Okay. What well, was said. I do apologize. No, that's fine. You were on a long time. So <laughs> so thank, thanks for taking the time out of the space to come over here, and uh, you can go back to over there and deal with whatever, whatever fire is <sighs> happening on that side. Now, Todd, I really, I, you know, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you having this thought. I hope, I hope I delivered on my end. Uh, sorry if I interrupted you a couple of times, or, or you know, uh, I hope it was a good segment here, and I hope your listeners enjoyed it, and and I hope I carried my end. Yeah, well, I think I think people uh, learned a lot about you and got to know you here. So, uh, yeah, you uh, he's a uh, Eden Rocks Corp. That's E D E N R O C K S C O R P. Eden Rocks Corp. Exactly as it sounds on Twitter. If you want to follow him or listen to his spaces, uh, definitely a lot of uh, strange and entertaining moments uh, take place on these spaces that he runs. <laughs> I gotta get back to it. Yeah, I'm Eden Rocks, the CEO of the Eden Rocks Corporation. So okay, thank you to Todd. With Telus, appreciated you uh, a lot, uh, and shout-outs to your listeners, and a good show, buddy. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Very unique guy, as I'm sure you guys have noticed by now. Likes to prop himself up a lot, likes to brag about himself, and sometimes with these things, you've got to take a look at everything behind what's really happening and not just take things that are said or done at face value especially with these uh, performance types. He did say at the very beginning here that he started all this hoping to get his rock operas funded. But I see he really enjoys all the attention too. But you kind of got the combo of someone who enjoys the attention but also doesn't take negative attention very well. So that's where you get the explosive things happening. That's really what brings a lot of that on. You, you heard some of it during the interview, like especially towards the end, like when I'm give, giving advice and he's like, yeah, I don't want to hear this anymore. I don't want to talk about this anymore. So he'll run into that too. Like he doesn't take advice very well and he will uh, sometimes get frustrated if anyone tries to suggest anything. He's kind of very stubborn. But really, as far as Eden Rocks goes, I've, I've had a number of people trying to message me and text me and convinced me that he's so awful. And I, I I just can't get on that bandwagon. I just haven't seen or heard anything that really just makes me dislike the guy. So as I said, I'm not a big fanboy. There's some people who just love him and just think he's the greatest ever. There's some people who hate him and think he's terrible. There's some people in the middle. Yeah, I'm, I'm like in the middle. You know, I, I, I definitely understand the complaints about him. I'm sure you probably do too after you heard this whole thing. But I also understand his appeal. And I understand why people find the whole thing entertaining. And the bottom line is, you know, think of all the stuff we talk about on this show. Has he ever scammed anyone in poker? No. I don't know if he's ever scammed anyone ever, but like in poker, he hasn't scammed anyone. He doesn't owe people money. He is not violent. He's not uh, threatening people. Like, I'm not seeing where he is so much of a problem. No matter what you think of him and his behavior, it's all just words. It's all just like saying controversial things or saying mean things to people on spaces or, or on his Twitter. So you can dislike him for that reason. That's fine. I'm just saying that that's not really worthy of hatred. I think you should reserve the hatred for those that have really done bad things. The people who are cheating, the people who are scamming, the people who are committing acts of violence or threatening to do that. 
That, like that's who you should reserve your hatred for in the community, not uh, people who annoy you on Twitter. So I, I don't even understand this whole thing with Poker Pro Eric. Like I don't have a problem with Poker Pro Eric. He always seemed fine to me, and even when I interacted with him on the spaces, he seemed fine. And he's got some big beef now with Eden Rocks and with Eden Rocks supporters, and I don't know. I will confess I didn't put a lot of time into trying to understand it, and I'm not that interested. <laughs> but I guess that's going on now, and he had to go back on his space to deal with it, and I guess Negranu's there. So, okay, you know, like, I can understand that if the space he was on before that he left to go talk to us, that if it's got Negranu now discussing the whole thing between him and Poker Pro Eric that probably takes priority at this point. But he gave us, like, what, like over an hour? He definitely did not run off early. I'm going to play you now the Bellagio incident. You know, it was kind of funny. Like, (laughs) you're going to listen to it and think this guy's kind of a jerk, but it's also kind of funny. And I had a feeling he was probably doing this in part to entertain everybody, and he admits he was drunk. I'm not going to defend this behavior. I will tell you that I would not ever talk to casino security this way. And by the way, here's a tip. Casino security is not paid well. They make much less money than you think. Much less. Because I know some people in casino security, and they've told me. They deserve more money, actually. I'm surprised how little they get paid. These people have to deal with difficult customers all the time. Drunk customers, people who are in a horrible mood because they lost a lot of money, just general psychos. So it's not the most pleasant job. Yeah, there's many hours where they're just sitting around not doing much, but there's times where it's very unpleasant. So, you know, when security comes up, even if you don't agree with the reason they were sent, just treat them with respect. So I don't agree with what he said and did here in this visit to his Bellagio room when I guess someone called in a complaint. It was like a noise complaint. I don't believe someone legitimately called it in. I think someone did this to screw with him who was listening to the spaces. But either way, he was hosting one of the spaces from his room, and then there's a supposed noise complaint, and security came up. So listen to this. This is crazy. Everybody. Nice to meet you earlier. Oh, by the way, you're going to hear like beeping in the background. That's actually Alan Kessler who was also a speaker on that Spaces, playing slot machines while he was on the Spaces. <laughs> and, and for some reason, Kessler didn't mute himself while he's on the machine. So you're going to hear that weird beeping in the background, that slot machines. Is somebody knocking at my fucking door? This is interesting. Is somebody knocking at my fucking door? This is interesting. Security. Oh, we got security knocking at my door. Hey, yeah. Good morning. Sorry uh, to bother you. Uh, okay. Because of the noise complaint. From who? Uh, noise complaint. I'm talking on the phone. Oh, we're standing. I'm hosting a calling show. Oh, sorry well, that. I'm sorry too. I'm not trying yeah. to. I'm not trying to bother anybody. But these are all people listening to my call-in show Copy live that. on Twitter. Copy that. Yes. So that? I don't know. Sir. Sir. What? Can we lower it? The, can, I don't know. Can we lower the noise a little bit? Can we lower the tolerance of whoever complained? I don't know. I mean, I'm a guest. No, we're here to let you know to lower the the noise a little bit. Is that okay? okay? Well, I'm here to say somebody's putting me up in this room, and I don't know can who complained. 
here? Do well, I don't know. I the answer is I don't know. You, you don't want to lower it. I the answer. You're asking me a question. Can I lower the volume? Yes. The answer is I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So this is the first warning. Warning in terms of what? If you don't lower your no your noise, then okay. we'll, we'll come back here. If somebody complains, and do what? And come back and and ask you again. And okay. We'll, what if I complain about the security people? What about that? For about what? For what? Because you're bothering me. Bothering? You? Yeah. With I'm just minding my own business, doing no, a call-in show. Because of the noise complaints. Well, I'm. What if I complain about the security bothering me? Yeah. About a complaint. Yeah, that. Well, that's all I'm saying, right? Oh. So, like. So we're asking you, and you you don't want to comply, then that's fine. That's up to you. But somebody's putting me up in this room. I'm just letting you know you can get evicted if you don't comply. All right. Who who's gonna evict me? The manager. Who's the manager? Well, you can bring the manager here, and I'll speak to the manager. All right. Right. If we get called again because of the noise, well, who's who it's is right calling here, right? me? It's right here. No, I, I I don't need to know. Right there. Yeah, th that's fine. Well, 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 yeah, but I mean, okay, I'm having sir, a call sir, with sir, all these sir, people. We're standing here. We can hear you from up here. Yeah, you see all these people. Yeah, but there's I'm people doing... also, sir, that's trying to get some sleep and try to get some rest. Okay. Well, well what's the, what are the rules? What you, rules so for the what? Rules, no doubt. The rules is the first time it's a warning and we'll let you know what the policy is. Second time we'll have management come back and the third time we'll have to Yeah, fine. Fine. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, Whatever. Like this is a bunch of people listening to me. Yeah, we're just here to on my call and show. Like you people don't we're know just, yeah, social just, media. We got called and ask us to come in over here and let you know if and ask you. If well, yeah, I don't have anything against you guys, okay, all right. but I'm doing a calling show, yeah. okay, and all of these people we'll, we'll see all these little faces. Okay. These are all I listeners, yeah. and there's more. Yeah, there's, there's actually like 75 other like. Yeah, so I'm sorry, yeah, no, I'm not talking to my ex girlfriend being an asshole. Yeah. I'm doing a call-in show yeah, because that's social media. If it's okay, you know. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, and I'm just saying, like, do whatever you're going to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to wrap it up soon because these people are assholes okay. also. Okay. So that's all. Yeah, we want Thank you to be happy. We want to well, yeah. Your and all these people are freaking, people are, like, There's listening. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Sure you can talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. There's some people sleeping. There's some yeah. people. Up. No, I'm not trying to bother anybody, but just so you guys know, I'm not. I'm not talking to one person. I'm talking to like a whole. Okay. I'm talking to like seventy six people. Yeah, but yeah. Or seventy eight and maybe more. You can, take, you can talk to like a million people, but you can you can lower your voice a little bit. And we'll yeah, but you don't know if I was actually talking to a million people, right? Yeah. You wouldn't say that to me, right? Okay. The management wouldn't have rules. If I was literally talking to a million people, you would have different you would have different rules. But you just said million people, right? I said you can talk to a million people. I know, but but if I was talking to a million people, then 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 I would have the power to control the whole system here. If I was talking to a million people. Right? So your comment I don't appreciate. It. Is that right? Thank you. But if I was talking to a million people, well, you do what you're going to do. Okay. And bring, and within every next step is. You know what I mean? But I don't appreciate this interruption. Thank you. Yeah, you know where I'm at.
do whatever you're going to do. Yeah, but if I was speaking to a million people, as you just said, but I'm speaking to eight, 78 people, but if I'm, I'm okay, I'm not speaking to a million people, but then you're not going to tell me like a million people, you're not going to use that as an example, right? Yes, sir. This, this guy's being difficult. The, the one who's, uh, but your but your example is ridiculous. My example doesn't matter, sir. We're here. But then why did you say you it? To lower it? Lower the I'm gonna oh, like look. I'm at six percent battery. I'm at six. I'm not yelling. I'm not yelling at all. That's a lie. That's a lie. What's your name? What's that say? My name is Camille. Yeah, that's a lie. Okay, Camille. My name's Alex. He's just uh, being difficult. Like she's not. He's not. Well, you're being difficult. Listening to us. But you just said if I was speaking to a million sorry. people. Don't worry about it. Oh, don't worry about it. But you're speaking to him and talking about me, so I think I should. Well, I'm involved, right? Well, I'll wait. I mean, like I'm a professional. I mean, you guys do what you got to do. I mean, being difficult or like. I mean, it's fine, man. I'm right here. Like, I'm I'm speaking to you. Affirm. Uh, yeah, we did that. All right. Well, we're good for now. Thank you. All right. Good night, sir. Yeah, have a good night. Thank you. Anyway. Ah, fucking stooges. All right. I'm not gonna screw around with the security at the fucking Bellagio, guys. <laughs> Just not. We'll read. Um, we'll read the uh, comments. Although that's confusing. <laughs> Bobby Schmidt rooting for me. In the comments. Anyway, guys, thank you for hanging out. Appreciate you guys. And we'll be back tomorrow. And Kobe James can go fuck himself. No time for you, Kobe James. And listeners, we got 88. That's pretty good. Good night, everybody. Thank you. So that was it. And I'm sure you can understand at this point why Eden might have been banned from Caesar's properties, if this is the way he behaved with security in the past. I don't know if that's what he did, but obviously someone who behaves in this fashion to figures who you can't piss off in the casino world, if he was doing this, especially multiple times, it's understandable why they eventually just wanted to be done with him, especially because he doesn't put in any kind of real casino action, so... They really don't have a reason to keep him around. And that's what I was trying to tell him. So, yeah, I laughed a few times as I listened to the thing. It was a pretty entertaining seven, eight minutes or so. But the truth is, behaving that way is not going to end well eventually if you want to stay with access to major casino properties, especially in the day and age like today with all the consolidation where a few companies own a lot of casinos. So you got to be real careful because if you're banned from one, you're banned from the entire group. Okay, now this segment is being recorded 
during the editing process. What happened when I was doing the show, and this was overnight starting on June 24th and going into the early morning of June 25th, we started to have major connection issues with the Poker Fraud Alert radio server, and I quickly realized it was due to poor internet quality at the secret location where I was staying at the time. And I tried several times to get the show back online. It just wasn't working. I'd be connected for like a minute and it would cut me again. So I was starting to do the Martin Cabrell topic and I didn't get very far. And then I had to finally just give up because after, I don't know, about 15 minutes of trying to get the whole thing working again, I realized it was futile because the internet simply was not working properly anymore. Why it was mostly okay for four hours, I don't know. There was a little bit of a cutout during the Eden Rocks interview, so I had to edit that so it flows more smoothly. But for the most part, you heard the Eden Rocks interview exactly as it was. And prior to that, there were no cutouts, but I don't know what happened after that. The internet completely went to shit. And fortunately, this happened right after Eden hung up. Like, I'm talking about minutes after he hung up, this problem occurred. So I had to finally give up. So what I ended up doing is quitting the show for the evening and promising to finish off the other topics in a part two that I would do in the coming days. I didn't give an exact date, but I did say that I would be coming back to do a part two in not too long, meaning you don't have to wait another two weeks. What I didn't expect was that on June 27th, due to a few prominent topics coming up in that interim, in that few-day interim, I didn't want to have to do a whole part two of the topics I didn't cover on the June 24th, 25th show, and then get to the newer topics on a subsequent show in two weeks. It'll just become too stale by then. So I decided to do a spontaneous short radio show because I didn't have much time on the 27th, but I did a spontaneous short radio show about three different topics. Those three topics were an update on the Mike Gordinsky Bellagio box situation. The main topic we did, and Cal Watt was with me for the second topic, the main topic, which was about the Ali Imservic cheating confession video, which is very interesting. And then we also touched on the weird situation with the Circa Casino scammer who was recently arrested. So that was on a special June 27th show, which lasted for about two and a half hours. So what I've decided to do, and I'm recording this now on the same day, this is going to be posted in the early morning of June 28th, the show you're listening to right now. What I've decided to do is post all of these as separate shows. So everything you just heard now is going to be part one. Part two is going to actually be the third thing I post, and that probably won't come till sometime in early July. But part two is going to contain the topics that we didn't cover. And this includes the topic about Terrence Chan and Poker Go, about how the Big O event, the new Big O event did at the World Series, about some parking follies at Paris and Horseshoe, about the creator of PokerTribe.com, arrested in a weird murder-for-hire plot, the Poker Hall of Fame, the San Antonio Poker Palace getting sued and closing down, and a security guard being shot in an L.A. area underground poker game. These were all topics we didn't do. And then, of course, 
the Martin Cabral topic, which I just started, I'm going to do that full topic as well to lead off the show. That'll be the part two. But in between that, I'm going to post the show that I did earlier today, the spontaneous show with those three topics I mentioned earlier, the Ali Imservic and the other stuff. So you're going to see three shows hitting the archives in a relatively short period of time. And this one is going to be the first one. And then the one I finished recording earlier today will be the second. And then the part two of this show, which I haven't done yet, will be the third. That'll probably be broadcast live in early July. I'm not going to leave a lot of time before I do that because the topics will get too old. And then after that, I'll probably wait until after the World Series of Poker main event to do the next show after that. That's my plans for the moment with this show. So thank you for your patience with all that. I'm trying to do what I can during World Series time as far as getting out some content to you. And remember, it's all free. I don't make any money from any of this. So thank you for listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I know it's kind of a mess here with the split episodes and having to stop in the middle because of internet issues, but that's how it goes at the World Series. But I do appreciate the loyal listener base that I have. And that's why I do these shows. That's why I put the time into this. That's why I'll throw myself into certain controversies where I'll sometimes get attacked for sticking my neck out for getting involved. But it's because I know people have been listening to this show for a long time. And that's what they listen for. And I've never been one who's really cared about my popularity in poker or about saying things to keep people happy or saying things to keep companies happy because I don't have any sponsorships. I'm not going to get any sponsorships. I'm an older guy who doesn't play much tournament poker. I have one bracelet I won 18 years ago. I'm not someone they're going to sponsor. So I really don't have anyone's ass to kiss. And I know that's why you guys listen. Because you know you're going to get a fair assessment of whatever's going on. In fact, I'll always give a fair assessment, even if it's about someone that I personally dislike. I'm not going to just try to slam them because it feels good to slam them. I'm going to be fair to everybody, whether I like them or I'm neutral or I dislike them. And same with any companies. I will always give a fair assessment of any companies that we're discussing on here. I try to look at everything from a logical and reasonable point of view. Sometimes I'll get things wrong. Sometimes I'll give a bad opinion. But I try to do my best to present you reality. At least the way I see it. But I appreciate all my listeners very much. I'm glad you're all here. Stay tuned. Two more episodes coming in not too long. Shalom.